All right, welcome to this week's uh, Sports Block Podcast episode here. Uh, Nathan Sacken with you alongside my good friend and co-host of this podcast, Travis Krenz. Travis, how are you? Terrific. Good. Uh, how's the Game of Thrones going? Good. We're, uh, what is this? this is episode 242, so we're coming up on 250 here. Holy shit. Probably in, uh, what, that'd be late March, probably. Probably, yep. Turn the time. Quarter, quarter of a thousand. Jesus Christ. Holy cow. Yeah, I just, just watched Game of Thrones, or what, season four? Episode five? Start episode five, so almost halfway through the fourth season. Sure, we're done with four seasons next time, and uh, a lot of people died. Uh, I heard about the Red Wedding, and then we saw it. Okay. And uh, the character I hated the most died, which I'm very excited about. Uh, the mom <laughs> died. It was great. I was very happy. I said, I'm, I'm, I'll give her shit. You got to kill. Just take her with you. And, of course, she had to have one last stand, and she died, and her throat got cut, blood everywhere. So, very happy with that. And then uh, King Joffrey died, and that was a pleasant experience as well. Yep. So, yeah, you know, uh, like... I don't think I've ever watched a show where, like, some of the mainest characters just die. Yep. Like, halfway through the show, halfway through a season, halfway through the entire uh, series, they're just done, and then you go on to the next thing. So. so, who is the character now that you hate the most now that's uh, that's remaining? Probably Sam, the fat guy. Because <laughs> he's dumb. Because he's, he's a stupid... Because <laughs> so he takes funny. his uh, girlfriend to the whorehouse, and <laughs> he shouldn't have done that. He should have stayed where she was at. So uh, he is dumb, a uh, minor character in the scheme of things. So yeah, I mean, I don't really hate really anybody else too much. But uh, yeah, he's, he's an idiot. Uh, but I mean, are, how how much do you? Uh, like Jon Snow and uh, Daenerys Targaryen. I like uh, I like the little girl the best. What, ah, Arya? What's yeah, her name? Arya, yep. Arya. She's, she's her and the little guy are my two favorites. Because I think she's going to be the one at the end to, to win the whole thing. So, uh, I, the other two, I, they're fine. Or the grandpa and grandpa Lannister is fine. Uh, the bitch queen is fine. Um, Jon Snow, you know, I'm sure he'll factor in at the end here. He's he's good. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know. Mostly indifferent about most of them, but I got a couple of papers. So. Very good. Very good. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a huge Game of Thrones fan. I even think... I think he was an extra in the last season, if I recall correctly. Either that or... He did something with the production there. Huge Game of Thrones fan. And he has a hell of a lot of time on his hands now to uh, to watch Game of Thrones. After what I would deem to be one of the worst decisions in a football game that I can remember in quite some time. Given the stakes. Given the magnitude. Um... You know, were you rooting for the? Were you rooting for Tampa Bay to win this game? I, I, I assume I was because I I can't cheer for Green Bay, Crins. I, I can't. I, I just can't. I I can't. I can't root for Trump 
Brady man. So well, I, I can't either. I'm not cheering for him in the the Super Bowl now. I got. I'm cheering like, for the Hall of Famer, of course. If it it was it was regardless who whoever won the AFC Championship game, that was who I was pulling. That's who I was going to yeah. pull for in the in the Super Bowl. Um, if, if Buffalo would have made it, I would have went against Buffalo. Um, After all yeah, Wyoming Kansas, did for you in, in fantasy football this year, you would still go against him, Big Laramie? Yeah, fuck him. I'm in Game of Thrones mode. Like, I don't care how much he helps me. I'll just kill him. At the end, it's like, whatever. Boom, he's done. He's like on. the Red Wedding. <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. And then he played like old Wyoming, so that was... Um, that was comforting that he played like shit. So there is so much to unpack in this NFC Championship game, um, and I... you start at the end because that was again like Cleveland last week. There were four minutes left and one timeout, and they punted, never got yep. the ball back. And same thing happened to the Packers. Yep. And two minutes to go, I mean, you're down eight, you're kicking a field goal. That is absolutely absurd. I mean, that's not a, a fireball offense, but it's, it's as bad as you could possibly, like, like what, did they, did they honestly think they were getting the ball back? With that shit defense, I just can't understand. And then, no, Ben's really, they didn't come close to getting the ball back at all. To be, um, I would say, to be fair, they did pick off Brady three consecutive possessions at one point there in the second half. But you're not um, you're not throwing the ball. No, no. The game. You're, I mean, there was a lot there. At first, I thought, okay, uh, whatever you do here, get it done before the two minute warning. If you're going to go for it, get it done before so we get an extra timeout. Yep, and they did. Uh, they did have that. They extra did that. Timeout. Well, they did that. Ridiculous call to to kick a field goal, and so they did that. And then they kick it off, and the uh, Tampa returner. Slides or takes a knee with two o two left, which I thought dumb. This was a terrible decision, but in the end, I I, I say no because there were two o. I don't know if he did this on purpose or what. If he did, he's a genius. If he didn't, he's stupid. Do, do you know a reason why that was smart? Well, could you come up with the reason why it would make sense to leave a couple seconds before? the two-minute warning for Tampa to run a play. Well, I was thinking more on the kick return, like you, you just slide down, avoid fumbling the ball. That was my uh, primary. And he could have picked up another probably 10 yards or so. Yeah. Could have ran it under two minutes, picked up another 10 yards. The reason that I saw, I don't know if this is what they did or not, but mm-hmm. uh, if he did this and I told him to do this, it's genius. Uh, three timeouts. You're going to run the ball. You want to use those timeouts. Yep. Uh, with 2.02 to go, the clock's going to stop after the play, so you can pass and probably get more yards than if you were to run the ball. Yep. So they did pass, and they what, picked up nine yards. Yep. So that really went to their benefit. If that's what they tried to do and they worked it out, then kudos to them. If not, then they looked into something. So they got it, and then Green Bay smartly... Yep. Intentionally goes off sides to reset the downs and give them an extra play. So this, this, I mean, this was a hell of a uh, back and forth the, these final uh, two minutes, and then uh, Green Bay never got it back. So um, yeah, that, that would be uh, that, that was that was horrendous. That was a horrendous decision to not go for it because if you don't make it, they have the ball at the what 
six yard line, whatever it was. Yep. And eight, eight, eight uh, yard line. It would have been fourth and goal at the eight. Two minute warning. Uh, maybe you get the ball back in that sense because I don't think they're passing in that in that uh, situation. But the, the the third and goal before that, I thought Aaron Rodgers could have at least picked up a couple yards. I don't know if he would have scored. Yep. Thought it may have been close, but at least he could have picked up a couple yards to make it maybe a fourth and goal from the four. You are not alone Chambers. in that. So, uh, yeah, Brady did not play well. I think Rodgers played better. But uh, all of those Tom Brady interceptions, they couldn't capitalize on them. And um, I guess fortunate for Tampa, they were deeper in Green Bay territory, so Green Bay really didn't get good field position off of those turnovers, and yep. they couldn't turn them into points. So, yeah, there's a lot to get into here. I think regarding that third down and goal play where Rodgers could have ran, I think he said post game that if he had known that they were going to kick the field goal, he thought they were going to go for it on fourth down. Um, had had he not, had he known they were going to take the field, I think he said he was going to try and run, pick up a few yards. He was unaware of what was going to go in on fourth down there. The thing that that really perplexes me here is that it's not like you, it's not like the Packers have Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. Okay. It's not like they have, for goodness sakes, even Kirk Cousins. At quarterback, you have one of the greatest of all time. You have a goat as your quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and for you to not think that he can't manipulate a defense enough to get eight yards and get a touchdown and potentially a game tying two point conversion—that's absurd to me. So I think if, it, it's not so much the decision to kick the field goal because I understand the reasoning that Matt Lafleur had in place. You have, you're you kicking that field goal before the two-minute warning. You get that extra timeout. You have all three of your timeouts. Tampa Bay's offense really had largely not done anything at all in the second half. And so you are thinking, hey, I can get, I'm gonna get a field goal here, and then we just need a touchdown regardless of the extra point or not to win the game if the defense stops them. But when you have the uh, Aaron Rodgers as your freaking quarterback, the decision not to kick or to, to to not go for it there is absurd to me. And I think it's absurd to pretty much anyone who was watching that game. Yeah, I mean, it was... You just couldn't believe it. That's something the Vikings would do. I'm like, oh, the Vikings yep. would do that. And even they would do that. Yep. Um, I thought and then it was... the, uh, at the end of the first half, uh, the 40-yard touchdown, like, how does that happen? It, it's inexcusable. Like, how, how do you... How do you give that up? That like, I'm not going to blame on those. That's how Jets that's, lose games. That's not how the Packers right. lose games. This, this defense was terrible, and uh, the penalty at the end of the game, and yeah. to drop the interceptions, yeah. and this was, I don't know, there was a lot of drama involved. I don't know if you could call it well played with all of these turnovers and, and penalties and just big, big time fuck-ups on a huge stage. Yes. This was... I don't. I don't know why you would not go for it down eight. It's um, I'm not, without reason. Yeah, I'm not going to blame Lafleur for what happened at the end of the first half. There, that's going to go on Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator, and Kevin King because you you can't. It's inexplicable to. I mean, let, I mean three safeties. I don't know how you don't play with like three safeties. You rush three. You're like, yeah. all right. 
throw this ball, whatever you have to do, because you're not scoring a touchdown. Yeah, it, on this uh, on this point, it's it's ridiculous that they would let Scotty Miller get behind them for that touchdown. I mean, and and if you look at what the the Buccaneers did on that possession, they did the exact opposite of what the Packers did at the end of the game. It's fourth and th- was it fourth and three? I think yes. It was fourth and three after Rodgers threw the interception. And okay, so I'm even going to go back a few a few seconds prior to that. Green Bay has it down fourteen to ten. The you know, hey, maybe we can get a field goal. Who knows? Maybe even a touchdown before the end of the half. They get the first down. I think they have it at about the forty, the the their own forty, and they just let twenty seconds run off. And you have like two timeouts. Like, what are you doing? Here, you have Aaron Rodgers, and you're just lollygagging up to the line here. It doesn't make any sense at all. Then Rodgers throws the pick. The Buccaneers get seven yards. It's fourth and three. They send the punt team out while they call timeout. And then Brady says to uh, Bruce Arians, because there's 13 seconds left, like, hey, let's let's try and go for this here. Complete a pass to Leonard Fournette for first down. You get the timeout, get a couple of added uh, seconds added onto the clock, which proved to be big. Um, or would have been big had Scotty Miller not come up with that touchdown. But to get that touchdown there at the end of the half, that is, I think, a, at minimum, I mean, it's certainly a seven-point swing. Um, but I think it was, it just felt to me like the Packers were stunned, the crowd was stunned, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck were stunned. I think everyone was stunned just how that the end of that first half finished. And then in the second half, for you to, to begin on third and five, Aaron Jones gets clocked, they fumble it, and then the Buccaneers cash in with a touchdown in the very first offensive play after that fumble recovery. It's 28-10 to 10 Tampa Bay. Like, I thought I I thought I was watching the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC Championship game because the Packers just did not look, A, sharp, or B, that they even had really any interest in in winning this game, I thought it was going. I thought it had the potential to be a blowout at that point. Um, Packers came back strong. They scored a couple of touchdowns. the 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 Bucks threw three interceptions on three consecutive possessions. But it was their defense then when they needed it the most. Shaq Barrett applying plenty of pressure. JPP applying plenty of pressure. They sacked Rodgers a combined five times, and. One thing I think that allowed Green Bay to get back in this game was the fact that uh, Buccaneers safety Jordan Whitehead left the game with a shoulder injury on, I think it it was either after they had, it was the first possession after he had made it 28-10, to 10, I believe that's what it was. And so he had to leave the game. You're already without Antoine Winfield Jr., so you're without your two starting safeties. I think that allowed Green Bay to get back in this game, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, you figured they'd make a bit of a run here at the end. I mean, there should have been more. I mean, they, they just couldn't uh, do anything with those turnovers. Yeah. They just couldn't. I mean, and that's when they, the Bucks they came defense back in the game, but they, but they never did anything with them. Yeah, and that's when the Buccaneers' defense really stepped up because after each of yeah. those, the each of the last two interceptions, Green Bay had to punt on both of them because they got the sacks. And it, it was it is incredible to see Tampa be able to get after Aaron Rodgers like that, um, and I mean, we'll, we'll see what they can do against Mahomes when Eric Fisher is out. Yep. So we'll be. Uh, I'm sure everybody will pick. A lot of people pick Kansas City, and um, 
help the Kansas City, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, that offense, I don't know how you... As long as Mahomes is uh, able, I don't know how you stop them. No, I, I agree, but I think that the Eric Fisher injury is a massive blow to the Chiefs because they're already without Mitchell Schwartz, their offensive tackle, who's been out since week six with a back injury. You're without the Canadian doctor, uh, Laurent uh, Devonoy. I'll, I'll get the name, but he opted out for COVID reasons this year to get help his fellow countrymen in Canada, which kudos to him for doing it. But he said that this would be a tough year uh, not seeing his team, and now he's not going to be playing in the Super Bowl. So those are three key offensive linemen that the Chiefs are going to be without against that what seemingly looks like one of the better pass rushes that we've seen in a, a little while here. What the Buccaneers have done specifically in the last couple of weeks against the Saints in the second half and then against the Packers, very impressive. Devin White, uh, Levante David, great linebackers, but it's what Shaq Barrett did. It's what JPP did. Uh, even Indomitian Sue kind of applying pressure inside the middle there. Vidavia playing his first game in a really long time. The defensive tackle from Washington. Uh, significant defensive effort by Tampa Bay, and that's what really allowed them to beat Green Bay ultimately in this game. And I like that Tampa Bay has pretty much been irrelevant since they won a Super Bowl yep. almost 20 years ago. And they just get there this year. You know, like an 8-8 eight and eight team, and they just get there. They get Tom Brady, and uh, here they are. Buffalo got, almost gets there. Cleveland did what Cleveland does, and here we are just sitting watching them. Kansas City, I mean, I would, I would compare the Vikings to Kansas City all these years. They were... Pretty good, but never got anything done in the playoffs. So now here's Kansas City putting together, um, you know, what, what looks like to be a pretty good run. They still have to win another one here, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Brady, I don't know what to say about him. I mean, it's all the stats. I mean, it's beyond beyond comparison. Yep. The one year he leaves, and he did it again, even if he may not have had a whole – a lot of hand in it. She had some plays that were good and a lot of plays that were bad, but somehow here he is still. Uh, really? He's still here. A tale of two halves. He played really well in that first half, and in the second half, he did not play well at all. Um, you know, with the three interceptions there. Um, it's all I, care, all I care about in the Super Bowl, I hope Kansas City wins. Yep. But uh, I, I hope, I whatever happens, I hope it comes down to a two-minute drive. Either side has to score to win. I want Brady to have the ball down by four, or I want Mahomes to have the ball down by four at the 25-yard line, two timeouts, two minutes to go. That's what I want. That's what I want to see, because um, this is probably the best Super Bowl we've had, at least the most hyped or best one on paper since probably the, what, six years ago with Seattle and New England. Yep. We've had some sinkers since then. Um, Philadelphia, New England was a great game. Maybe that's my favorite Super Bowl. Uh, but going into it, there wasn't much going on. Right. But going into this one with Brady and uh, Mahomes, and you've got the last two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, which I can't imagine to happen very often. Um, and this will be a big time game. There's going to be a lot of people, a lot of people watching. 
this football game. It's dripping with storylines. I mean, you have the Chiefs who are looking to go back-to-back for the first time since Tom Brady's Patriots did in 03 and 04. And so we'll get into a lot of the storylines next week uh, for sure as we preview the Super Bowl and make our official predictions. Um, The AFC Championship game, I'll get to that here in a a moment, but just to, to stick with the Packers game here because... Almost as incredible as uh, of a finish and ending, and a game as. And by the way, it kudos to the official. I mean, the officials let the the guys play. They let them play in this one. There's a lot of hand fighting. There could have well, been a few penalties called, but that pet that play at the end that that sealed the game. The pass interference penalty, uh, the hold on Tyler Johnson, uh, the rookie wide receiver for Tampa Bay. It was a blatant hold. I don't know how people can be upset with that call being made because when you are grabbing and pulling a hold of the jersey, like you can see his shirt getting ripped. And it's it's a blatant pass interference penalty. Did the flag come out late? Absolutely. But that flag needed to come out. Had they not called that, that would have been an atrocity to the game. And that's fine that that's a penalty. Um, there was an interception. Tampa Bay had this should have been a penalty. Yep. On Tampa Bay, where they held the jersey and the uh, shoulder pads. I mean, they, they, they missed a big one. That was an interception that should not have happened. But was so, that as, I mean, that's not a, a terribly egregious miss. But it's a, but it's a turnover, though. It's right. a turnover that, yep. I mean, that was a big play in the game to where it doesn't happen, you know, Green Bay keeps the ball. So, again, the officiating, it's, it's not, you know. And they lost control of the game at the end with Buffalo and Kansas City. Oh, yes. Guys just beat the shit out of each other. And, you know, I mean, they're they're going to miss some calls here and there. Yep. That's just the way it's going to be. Yep. Um, but the as as big of a game as that was in the NFC Championship game, what was said afterward is even larger. I mean, Aaron Rodgers saying, "Wasn't my decision to go uh, to kick the field goal there on fourth down." He said, "I understand it." But it wasn't my decision. And then what everyone's latching on to is that he said a lot of guys' futures are up in the air. Mine, Mine's up in the air. A lot of other guys. And just the way that, and I don't know if it's just, you know, the emotions of the loss and everything. Because this was his first NFC Championship game at home. He played in four on the road. This was his first one at home. And he now falls to one in four in, in NFC Championship games. That's they not a giant at home. That was a divisional round. That that was yes, yeah. and that and the the NFC Championship game uh, that the Giants won the when uh, uh, when Tom Coughlin as the rosy cheeks. That was the Brett Favre interception in overtime. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's it's not good for Aaron Rodgers. But what he said afterward is like, I a lot of guys' futures are up in the air, mine included. Uh, and a Who lot do you of, think he's playing for next year, Sackett? Who do you think he's playing for? I'm gonna stay Green Bay because I just I I don't see how. In what world? In what world is he not playing for the Packers? How does that happen? They're not gonna trade him. You don't think they would trade him? I think they would. Why? I think if, so. Jordan Love could be your quarterback. Okay. Okay. So why if, would you trade a guy once you were two minutes away from a Super Bowl? Because. Clearly, they can't get to the Super Bowl with him. You posted a clip 
from when we oh. did the sports lounge there in the in the studios there at SDSU of you know it, when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers had just won the Super Bowl against the Steelers. And he said, is Aaron Rodgers getting back to another Super Bowl? And all four of us, Blake Day, Drew Ahman, Charlie Hildebrand, and myself, we put true. And I even, and I was, uh, and I said, look at all the guys that he was missing in that Super Bowl win. Of course he's going to get to another one. He hasn't. It's been a decade. Rodgers hasn't gotten back to another Super Bowl. No. You draft his replacement. I think that that certainly is done. There are some, there are relationships that there are a lot of fences that need to be mended between the organization and Rodgers. And I'll kind of equate it to, uh, though it's not nearly as bad of a situation, but it it kind of seems like it's getting to the point of what like what's going on in Houston right now between the Texans and Deshaun Watson, where it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, I want uh, Watson Watts out. It doesn't matter if Eric Bieniemy is going to get the head coaching job, which he deserves a head coaching job. But I will let that uh, get. I'll give that to him with the Vikings in 2022 after Mike Zimmer gets fired if the Vikings fail to make the playoffs. Uh, give him the job right away. No interview required. Um, he shouldn't take the Texans' job because Deshaun Watson wants out regardless of who the coach is. Uh, I think. A divorce is headed that way between the Packers and Rodgers. Now, I don't know if it's going to be this offseason. I could see it next year. I think he can opt out or something next year, I think. Are they taking what? I think he can opt out next year, I believe. Okay, yep, then so, then that would make sense. So I You've got, got three years left. He can opt out next year. Of course, I would want this guy... And I hold out hope he'll be the, the Vikings quarterback, maybe in two years. Yep. yep. Um, I think he's going to play with the Packers next year. I think people are they're grooming up something to talk about because that's what the NFL does. I, I can't something imagine, to but, talk about. I just. But you get there are several reporters there at the game that really got a sense. And Rodgers and Mike Florio has written several pieces on Pro Football Talk, and he goes a little overboard, certainly. But he says that Rodgers doesn't say stuff like this without there being it, without it being calculated, without there being some measure of meaning behind it. He's not saying it just to say it. Um, I, I like you. I mean, as much as I hate him, I would love to see I, him I in purple. I, I want to see him in purple here in a couple of years. Uh, San Francisco. I hated, I hated Brett Favre, and then he came to the Vikings, and I liked him. Yeah. And then now I, I don't really like Brett Favre anymore. He's a, he's a Trump fuck again. So, yeah. eh, too bad for Brett Favre. But Aaron Rodgers is the opposite of seemingly Brett Favre as a person. I like Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers has maybe not hate the Packers anymore because of how much how good he is, and how much I like him as a person. He's going to be uh, one of the hosts. Of Jeopardy, so yep. he may uh, have a chance to do that. Yep. A little earlier than expected, and I saw somebody say today, I don't know what to give up for Aaron Rodgers in, in a trade. So I think he'll opt out next year and become a free agent at what, 38 years old, mm-hmm. and he'll be highly coveted. You know, San Francisco, New England, Minnesota, wherever he could potentially go. But I heard somebody say, oh, you, know, you get Aaron Rodgers, boom, Super Bowl. I'm like, nope, he's been the one. He's played for, what, 15 years. He's been the one. 
chances are if you get him, you're still probably not going to the Super Bowl. As great as he is, he's better than one. So it's not automatic. Here we go, Super Bowl. Tom Brady it is because he's been to 10 of them, for Christ's sake. Aaron Rodgers been to one. Don't you think? Tom, Brady, Tom, Tom Brady's won as many conference title games as Aaron Rodgers yes, and Drew Brees. Yes. And he's played there one year. Mm-hmm. They played there what? About 35 years. Yes. So no. Don't you think? Now I'm going to say this. I, so San Francisco has been the 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 place that has been linked to Aaron Rodgers the most, just because he's from uh, the Bay Area. Uh, he he went to school at Cal. The 49ers were the team he loved growing up, and you know be the team you know that passed up on him for Alex Smith back in the draft in what 04, 05? Um So that's a chance that maybe the Rams go after him. The way that he, the admiration that he has for Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, I'm just, I think that if he were to opt out, I think the Vikings would be on, like, one of the top two teams on his list. I really do. Don't you think? I hope so. We don't want to go to the Bears or Lions. And the Vikings would have the defense and the offensive weapons around him. Think about that. You know, Dalvin Cook, well, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, with a good defense, with good pieces in place. This would it would essentially be 9 all over again for the Vikings fan, for Vikings fans, where you say you got to get to minimum the NFC Championship game. But I think unlike no, this, you have to no, 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 no I'm saying the entire thing, the entire thing. <laughs> no minimums. There are no minimums that don't involve wooden. I. And I said in 09 that I wanted the Vikings to get to the NFC Championship game. That they had to get their minimum for the season to be even remotely successful. With Rodgers, if Rodgers were to come in, if Rodgers were to be in purple, it would be Super Bowl or bust. It, that would be it. You have to get to the Super Bowl for this. You have to, to win it. Yeah, I mean. Yes, I'm th- but Vikings fans, the Vikings haven't nope. been to the Super Bowl since the 70s. So let's get there first. And no, then- man, I don't give a shit about getting there. Win it. Hey, we finished second. I'm like, that's fine, you finished second. It still sucks. It's the same as if you were lost the week before. It's You have to win a Super Bowl. That's all there is to it. That you've had numerous teams good enough to do that in eight. And they haven't done it. And uh, hopefully some some part of it is like Brett Favre, he wants revenge against the Packers. Yep. Maybe that'll be that maybe that'll be part of it. And hopefully hopefully this happens. I don't I don't see how it can happen this year. Nope, I agree. I uh, I'm I'm uh, and, and maybe next year is the year and Andy calls it quits. And if he does, then good. Um Yeah, but it, it's exciting to think of, but I think we're a long ways away from, yeah, from the Packers. No, I'm not thinking of it this offseason. Uh, and I think he's going to be a Packer. But I I just look. I mean, how can you be Matt LaFleur? You get to two NFC Championship games in your first two years. The first year you get just blown out by the 49ers. But you it was one of those years where you didn't expect to make it to the NFC Championship game. This year, a lot of people, myself included, didn't think that just with the lack of uh, weapons that they gave Rodgers, that they would have a good year. But this year was a fun year for Packers fans, for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers really enjoyed himself. And then you, the way this NFC Championship game ter- ends up, this is going to haunt 
Matt LaFleur. This almost could be like a 28-3 Kyle Shanahan loss uh, when they lost to the Patriots, when the Falcons did in the Super Bowl, and then Kyle Shanahan blows the lead last year against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It just kind of hangs over your head. This could, in effect, hover over Matt LaFleur for the duration of his... um, of his tenure as head coach of the Packers, because I don't know how he can get over the top. I don't. Uh, unless the the Packers add significant offensive weapons, and even then, I, I mean, I just I don't know how it's all going to uh, uh, turn out this off season. The the salary cap is going to be 181 million dollars. I don't know where the Packers are at. I don't know what their free agency situation looks like. Uh, Corey Lindsley, one of their I think their safety. Or it's not safety. Their center. He's going to be a free agent. He may have played his last down as a Green Bay Packer. So there's a lot of pieces that of the puzzle that need to fall into place for the Packers. I I just don't know for Matt Lafleur if if he'll be able to recover from what happened on Sunday. We we can. I think he'll be fine. But I think yeah, we, we can say now pretty much definitely this was not. There weren't a lot of good teams this year. Even the good teams were not all that good. I mean, the Packers, they're fine, but the Vikings beat the Packers. Yep. Um, Tampa Bay wins the NFC. Saints weren't great. You look at all these. Seattle was not good. Nope. Pittsburgh was not good. Nope. Look at all these teams. They weren't good. I mean, they're like the teams in the conference. So. I mean, Buffalo's great, but if Buffalo's getting there, I don't know. Something's got to be wrong. If Cleveland's doing something, something's got to be wrong. No. So if Cleveland and Buffalo are in the mix, as good as they are, something's got to be off kilter. And you look, I mean, you look, we talked about the Saints last week. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the Packers this week. Like, none of them have gotten to the Super Bowl in 10 years. The Packers yep. and the Saints. Yep. And I don't believe... I don't believe they've played each other in the playoffs in, t- in, in those 10 years, have they? I don't remember mm. a Packers-Saints playoff game I, in these past 10 years. I don't believe they have. If anything, it would have been the Saints traveling up to Lambeau. Uh, but I think the furthest north that the Saints have ever traveled would have been Chicago, Chicago the year that the, that the Bears... Won uh, or went to the Super Bowl and lost to Peyton Manning and the Colts. Um, so these, I mean, these are without a doubt the two dominant teams of the decade: the Saints and the Packers in the NFC. I would throw the Seahawks in there as well. Sure, and they have not made the Super Bowl in ten years. That's amazing to me. Yep, that is incredible. Yep. And I guess you could kind of add Pittsburgh in there. Pittsburgh hasn't made it in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's astonishing. That is astonishing. You look at all the shit teams that have come out of the NFC, and Green Bay and the Saints are not one of them. The Steelers, the Steelers is a little bit more reasonable to explain because of the Patriots' dominance and now subsequently Kansas City. So uh, Pittsburgh's absence is a little more explainable to me, but you're right. I mean, the, the, for the Packers and the Saints, for neither of those teams to be in a Super Bowl in the last 10 years is astonishing, it's remarkable, and it's 
quite frankly unexplainable for both of those franchises. Like it, it, it should be deemed a failure for both of those franchises. Seven, seven straight years, the Packers have been swept out of the playoffs, meaning they lost to a team in the regular season and they lost to that same team in the playoffs. Mm. And that's happened seven straight years. Happened with San Francisco yep. a couple times. It's happened with uh, Tampa Bay this year. Mm-hmm. So whoever Green Bay lost to in the playoffs, they also lost to them earlier in the regular season. Great stat. Yeah. Great stat. Um, so yeah, Tampa Bay moves on to the Super Bowl. Green Bay is left out in the cold once again. Uh, Kansas City spotted the Bills the first nine points, spotted them the last nine points, outscored them 38-6 to in between there. Patrick Mahomes, turf toe and all, 325 yards to the air, three touchdowns, only nine incompletions. The A couple of moves that he made to avoid sacks and throwing a pass, like the, the pass that he made to Travis Kelsey, uh, making a Bills defender just avoid him and just juke him out. I, I think I yelled. I was like, holy cow. Like this is... And I put it on Facebook. He's the, Patrick Mahomes is my favorite player to watch in the NFL right now. He is the most fun. And Travis Kelsey has to rank right up there just because, A, he's a fun-loving guy. But just what he's doing at the tight end positions, especially this year, is truly special. Like, we are watching... Um, we're watching... He's, he's the best quarterback ever. Yes. Yes. He's the best to ever play quarterback. Yes. You, Brady and Manning and Breeze and whoever else you want to put in there, Dan Marino, John Elway, Pat Mahomes is the greatest quarterback there's ever been. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You're coming to my side. Like and he's, what, this is his, what, third season? Third season as a starter. Fourth overall. He's the third season. And he's the best ever. Yep. He's played three years. He's been in the conference title game three times, mainly in the second Super Bowl. I'd vote for him for MVP this year over Rodgers. I think Rodgers is going to win, though. And, like, he is the best. He's the best. He's the most fun to watch. He is the best. If he and with Eric enemy, hopefully he gets a job. Yep. But, so, like, who knows how well he's going to do, though? Like, wherever he goes, like, it's not like, oh, it's, uh, this guy's a slam dunk. He's going to be great no matter where he goes. Like, well, you've got a team assembled around him in which it's a video game and mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey and you hand the ball off to whoever and, and throw it to Tyree Kill. You can just kind of pitch it to him and he'll run 50 yards. And all these other guys. That just, yep, here you go. Boom. I go so back, this, I go back like, to this. This is, what, this is what the 98 Vikings should have been. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I go back to that, that clip that you posted on, on both Facebook and Twitter about us saying, oh, will Rodgers ever get to another Super Bowl? And we all said true. Yeah. Um, and, of course, that that is that hasn't happened at this point. With Mahomes, though, obviously, I mean, we said last year, he might never get to another one. Well, here he is. He's in his second Super Bowl in back-to-back years. It, it just seems like with the weapons that the Chiefs have and with as young as Mahomes is, that the AFC is going to do whatever they can to catch up, but it's going to be very, very difficult. Mahomes seems like he's going to be on a Brady-esque run. Uh, yeah. They got the they got the right coach in place. 
They have the right weapons around him. Like Travis Kelsey still has a good few years left, four or five years left of being a dominant tight end. Tyreek Hill, Cheetah, he's going to be running faster than, as fast as he can. You got the running backs in place. The defense is still good. Honey Badger is going to play for a few years. They'll restock. They'll retool. But as long as Patrick Mahomes is under center, the Chiefs are going to be Super Bowl contenders year in and year out. And, Krenz, I think it it's just going to keep happening. It, it, it really is. It's remarkable. It's just remarkable watching. It's fun to watch. This is not like when the Patriots were doing all this, you're like, oh, my gosh, how are they – so good, Bill Belichick, a genius, Tom Brady, but you kind of hated him. I don't know how you can hate the Chiefs. They're just so much fun to watch. They have a lot of great characters, a lot of great guys. Uh, I don't know how you can hate Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes. I just, I just don't. Yeah, I, there's some people I'm sure that will, but I hate to always say, oh yeah, they're going to win, you know, three Super Bowls, five Super Bowls, this and that, and I'm sure a lot of people have say said the same thing about. The Seahawks. Seahawks went to back-to-back Super Bowls, and they really haven't been all that close going back since. They had a young quarterback who's no longer young. Mm -hmm. We talked plenty about Breeze and Rodgers these last couple weeks. So it would seem that at least for the next year or two, they're going to be they're going to be there in the mix. And I don't know who who is that other team. I don't know who that other team would be in the AFC. You know, Brady always at least had at least had Peyton Manning there to to give him a run. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't see Buffalo being that team. Uh, Pittsburgh seems to be at the end of their run. Yep. Cleveland. Uh, I mean, Cleveland. Cleveland was as close as any team to knocking them off. Uh, but I don't know if Cleveland Cleveland's not at their level. So uh, we'll see if any of these quarterbacks are worth a damn, these rookie quarterbacks, and, and what they can do to turn things around. Maybe Jacksonville is the team. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe the Chargers mm-hmm. with their quarterback. Maybe they're a team that challenges them. But right now, I, I think there's a reason why Tom Brady went to the uh, NFC yep. this year. Yep. I think there's a reason why he did that. I thought maybe, look, yeah, I, I, Tampa Bay. Like, yeah, he's not going to go to the Rams or the Chargers. Like, he'll, no. He's going to go to get as far away from Kansas City as possible. And, and here he is uh, trying to beat Kansas City. So. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they should win multiple Super Bowls here, but uh, you, you never want to say, it's, as, as we know, it's very, very difficult to win one. It is. It's still remarkable, though. I mean, the Chiefs on Sunday played their best game easily in the last couple of months. Uh, they yeah. played in a lot of close games. The it's it almost was like they were just going through the motions. Like, hey, we just got to get through this. Uh, the regular season. Uh, they have just so much. They have so many weapons. They have so much talent. It's just like you know what? We're gonna win these games. They might be a little close. Everyone's gonna give us their best shot. But when when it, when push comes to shove, when they really need to put something together, and I guarantee. They were, you know, they were tired of hearing it from folks like me, like not like the Chiefs listen to this podcast or read my blog. But I had said, you know, the the Buffalo Bills looked like the most dangerous team with the way the that Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs were looking. Uh, the the defense was coming together, and with how close of the game the, the the games that the Chiefs had been playing, it just seemed like maybe Buffalo had the right recipe this year. And the Chiefs said on Sunday, nope. Defense played huge. Offense huge. Special teams significant. 
They had all of the components that they needed and played a full 60 minutes. And when they're on their game, when they're playing full 60 minutes, no one can beat them. No one can. It's just, it's too damn difficult. What are they, 26-1 and one now if we don't count that last game of the year? Yeah. You count, count games Mahomes played 25-1 in. in his last 26 starts. 26-1, and one, right? Uh, twenty-five and one, I think. Or maybe it's just—it's twenty-five and one since October of last year when he came back. And they and they lost this game inexplicably to the Raiders. Yes, earlier this season. So this is a run. If they win the Super Bowl, I mean, you got to put this two-year run up amongst any of them ever. Mm-hmm. This has been impressive. Yes, and. Yeah, they're, they're fun to watch, and yeah, if, if they're on, you're like, yeah, you should watch this team, and it's an automatic 30 points, and you kind of saw what happened when Mahomes got hurt last week. Mm-hmm. Um, even though even when he had the toe injury, they just weren't the same once he got uh, banged up, and then once he was out, it was a different ball game. so as long as he can stay healthy, and there was another play late in the game where he ran. Yeah. Like, why are you running? This game's done with. Why are you running at this point? Nothing good can happen. From this, and uh, may I say the Buffalo Bills, they're down 17. You do need two extra points or two two-point conversions, I guess, to make it interesting. It was a dumb decision there. Instead of kicking the, the extra point to get it to 16, then you get the onside kick, and if it's a 16-point game, like, all right, let's see if they can score again here. Yep. You need two of them anyway, so you went for it, you didn't get it, so it means it's still a three-point uh three-score game, but again, another decision where it's like, don't go for two until you have to go for two. And they may not have to go for two right there. Keep the game going. Keep the game in doubt. And another decision that doesn't seem that difficult that was messed up no I think I think coaches outthink themselves outsmart themselves they and I don't know how into analytics Sean McDermott is I mean he did go for it on fourth and one or fourth and two whatever on the first drive of the game and converted it and then he kicks a field goal at the end of the first half I understand that because you want to get the points uh you want to get some points before half uh, he kicks a field goal on fourth and goal at, like in the third quarter when they were down I think it was at 24 to 12 um, I that one I maybe would consider going for it at that point because you need you, you you're not going to keep the the chiefs from scoring I mean the chiefs at one point after that first drive they scored on their next six of their seven possessions the only possession that they didn't score on was a kneel down at the end of the first half I mean that's how bad the Bills' defense was and how great the Chiefs' offense was. Um, if you hold them to a field goal, that's a success. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I don't even consider, hey, maybe we'll force a punt here. No, like, if you hold them to a field goal, mm-hmm. that's a success. And uh, you, you had to go for touchdowns in those situations. Inside the 5, inside the 10, you had to go for touchdowns. Because field goals, field goals will keep you in the game or won't win you the game. They'll right. keep it close, but... You need to score touchdowns. Uh, you need to score. Like, how do you beat this team without scoring 30? The Raiders beat them, I think it was 40 to 32. Yeah. Uh, they had to score, you know, 35 points probably would have done it. But, and I don't, and I believe the stat is, and this really boggles the mind that this is true, but a, a, a team that's gone against Tom Brady, I don't think has ever scored more than 44 points. Really? And he's played a long time. Yeah. 
I don't think he has ever in the case his teams, which have been excellent, they've never given up more than forty four points. How many points did which, they give up in the Super Bowl against the Eagles? Let's see. Uh, Super Bowl fifty what was that? Fifty three? Fifty two. That was Super Bowl fifty two. Yep. It was like probably what, forty? Both forties, upper thirty, it was forty one. Forty one, okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a remarkable stat, that they've yeah. never, Tom Brady's teams have never given up more than 44. You would think one game. Mm-hmm. They'd get ball over 20 years. But uh, New England's defense is usually pretty good. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, this, this, we'll see what happens, and maybe this will be it. <laughs> so, if Brady wins, I'd like to see him retire yep. on a high note. But he's still good enough to play, so it's awfully tempting to come back and do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be the perfect ending. And if he loses, maybe it's maybe it's it too. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah. Don't you, you think know. he wants to play one more year so he can play Bill Belichick and the Patriots next year? Yeah, I would think so. I would think if he, you know, if he were to win the Super Bowl this year, it's almost like next year's a bonus year. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter if I don't win the Super Bowl this year. I'm just, I want to play at New England. I want, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wants that game. So I'm pretty sure... No matter what happens, he'll come back yep. next year. Um, Stephon Diggs was the only Bill out on the field watching the AFC Championship uh, uh, commemoration, the celebration, the the, uh, the award of the Lamar Hunt Trophy and, and stuff after the game. And people are like, oh, he's just soaking it all in. He wants to remember what this is like to kind of push him, fuel him, and, and help get the bills over. And like, okay, shut the hell up because he did he do this at uh, Philadelphia after the Vikings got uh, whooped in the NFC Championship game? It's not like this is his first time in a championship game. He's been here before. Um, and as for the bills, I think they have a lot of pieces in place to make a, a big run. They could be on the verge of a New England Patriots-like run through the AFC East. I don't know if they can get quite over the top. The one thing, too, is that the AFC East is going to be significantly better next year. The Dolphins are going to be right up there. i got to imagine that the Patriots are going to figure out their quarterback uh, conundrum, and they are getting at least six guys back on defense that didn't play this year due to COVID. So their defense is going to be better. Buffalo, and who knows if the Jets get the Deshaun Watson. That's apparently his number one destination, which is just dumb. I don't know what Watson's thinking there, but uh, the AFC East is going to be more difficult for the Bills. So it's it's not a cakewalk uh, for them at all. Yeah, their division is bad, very bad. So I, I want to say they won't make the playoffs next year, but I don't know. Jets aren't going to be any good. I don't know, Miami should be okay. Like, somebody's got to win that, that freaking division. Yep. So, eh. And uh, one more thing on the uh, on the Packers. I mean, the Packers are going to be there, too. So. Yep. Like, you know, Bears, Lions, Vikings, good luck. Have you checked out, then, uh, the opponents for both the, the Bucks and the Chiefs for next year? I did last week um, Tampa and Buffalo, but that ain't going to happen because that's not a Super Bowl matchup or anything. Nope. Um, let me... Yep. 
work it up I, here. Yeah, I think uh, Kansas City and Cleveland. I think is interesting. I think that I think that is the likely one. I think they would. I think hold off the AFC Championship game. I'm going to say that that's probably going to be a Sunday late afternoon game. It's a Sunday late afternoon game or a, a Sunday night football game. Uh, but I don't see that being the opening week just because it wasn't all that close. Given the way that that Browns game finished, I think the Chiefs-Browns makes the most sense. But I will throw in the Raiders because uh, as a possibility, just because of how close those games were this year. And maybe, you know, with John Gruden and stuff, I think that the Raiders have a chance to be that opponent. But I, like you, I think I'm leaning towards Cleveland for the Chiefs. Uh, if they win the Super Bowl, Dallas, you know they're always interesting. That's going to be a three twenty-five I, game on Fox. I don't see any way that NBC gets that game. I wish so badly it was New England at Tampa, because that would be the game. No doubt, no bones about it. That's the game. Yep. But it's at New England, so that ain't going to happen. Um, I can also see Cowboys Tampa because they play yep. Dallas too. Yep. Um. Buffalo, Miami, Chicago, no. No. I think it's you know, the Saints. The Saints, what are the Saints going to look like? I mean, it's, it's not a very appealing home schedule no. for Tampa. So, I mean, I think it could be uh, the Cowboys. Cowboys, maybe. Yep. I th- the Cowboys are right up there. I'm going to go with the Saints. Uh, given the, um, the divisional round game that they won, we'll see what maybe the Saints have at the quarterback position, if it's Taysom Hill or maybe they go somewhere else, it's not going to be Drew Brees. Uh, he's done. Um, even though he hasn't officially retired yet, it's, it's all but over for him. So I think it's going to be the Saints if the Bucks win. And it, I agree with you. I think it's going to be the Browns if the Chiefs win. I will put the Raiders second, Bills third in that order. And uh, for the Bucks, I would put the Cowboys second, on the list behind the Saints with the Bills a very distant third. Yeah, that would make sense to me. Um, but the Chiefs the Chiefs winning, I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl uh, because I am a, a huge Patrick Mahomes fan. Father-in-law is a Chiefs fan, so of course you kind of have to cheer for him. But I also want the, the Chiefs fans to be able to celebrate in a Full stadium next year with seventy thousand people. They got they got cheapened this year with you know only being able to have twenty two thousand for that home opener this year due to COVID and stuff. I want a full Arrowhead to be able to celebrate another Super Bowl uh, banner being unveiled. So I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl more so for the fans and to have that huge uh, stadium uh, filled. With Chiefs fans celebrating that uh, Super Bowl victory, you're a man of the people. I am. I, I try to be. Um, Tampa Bay is the first home team uh, in the Super Bowl in 55 years, and of all years for a home team to get to the Super Bowl, this is the year where it means the least because Tampa is only going to have 22,000 fans uh, for the Super Bowl. That's what the the limit's been set at. 7,500 of which will be healthcare workers, which is great. I'm glad that the NFL is doing this. They are the true heroes uh, over the last year. Uh, All the nurses and doctors and everyone else in the healthcare profession. uh, It would be nice to have some teachers in there as well. But this is not 
this is not the home field advantage that it normally would be in a Super Bowl uh, because it, there's just not going to be it's not going to be a full stadium. So yes, it's it's a it's very cool that the Bucks did it, but this is the year where it means the absolute least out of any year where it could have happened. And these teams played uh, two months ago. Yes, they did. 27-24 game was really all that, uh, not all that close. Nope. Tampa Bay scored a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter to make it close, but and this was a 27-10 game halfway through the third quarter. So uh, we will see. Uh, we will see if it's any different. And Tyreek Hill had over 200 yards receiving in the first quarter. And he had what 269 for the game. Mahomes had 462. So yeah, let's have a game like that. That'd be okay. Yep. Um, so we'll see what happens there. We'll, we'll like I said, we'll, we'll preview it. We'll go through a lot more storylines next week. But certainly something um, interesting to look at. We got a great Super Bowl matchup. I think that's the the best news of all is that in all of this uh, COVID year, we get arguably the 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 Super Bowl matchup that we're salivating for. I think the most. I think this is it's dripping with storylines. Uh, w- it was going to be a good Super Bowl regardless of any of the matchups that we got. Uh, Tampa Bay Buffalo would have probably been the least desirable, uh, followed by Green Bay Buffalo. Um, but I think we are getting the best Super Bowl possible, given the storylines, given the players, goat versus goat. Um, the, I think this is the best Super Bowl overall that we could hope for. I would say so, yeah. I mean, this. This is a big time football game. This is one of this is yeah, like I said, this is one of the biggest Super Bowls in probably five six years. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, so there's that. Um, do you think that the Detroit Lions got the right guy in Dan Campbell to coach football and win games? No, to be professional wrestlers, probably. This guy's out of his fucking mind. Kneecaps and fuck this guy. I mean, goddamn. Even before he talked, like, yeah, Dan Campbell, some jack off assistant head coach, tight ends coach for New Orleans. You can tell he came from New Orleans by what a thug this fucker is. So I'll enjoy Detroit going six and ten every year, and this jack off getting fired uh, in about three years. Well, he's got a so, six-year deal, so yeah. But I, I, yeah, I don't good see. For him. And Matthew Stafford is uh, there. He's going to get traded this off-season, so the Lions are going to be pretty much in full rebuild mode or full rebuild mode. I feel sorry for Anthony Lynn uh, taking the offensive coordinator position, and now knowing that he won't have Matthew Stafford, uh, that's going to suck. I really like Anthony Lynn, so uh, Deuce Staley is going to join the staff. So it's a decent staff that. Campbell's uh, assembling, but a biting kneecaps. And I don't know if you saw a photo, but it was him in a, his office, and there was a caption like, Dan Campbell looks like a guy stressing out on trying to sell like six Ford F 150s in a given month. Like car sales. Was so, it, it, was, yeah. car sales it was just so great. It was a perfect caption. Um, he's he's a loser. Not, I can't say that. He's not a loser, but uh, this is. It was not a uh, professional press conference that I got. Um, I, if I were a Lions fan, I'd be awfully nervous. 
Um, and then the Philadelphia Eagles in just the, the worst possible thing I think you could possibly do is get an offensive coordinator that no one has ever heard of and make a mockery of the, the process. I mean, the Texans are making a mockery of the head coaching process by interviewing Josh McCown, who has no head coaching experience. It was just quarterbacking in the league last year. But for the Eagles, um, uh, boy, they're going for, for the Frank Reich uh, coaching tree, I guess, and trying to reestablish that relationship and rebuild Carson Wentz. But this Nick Sirianni guy, never heard of him in my life. Uh, good luck, Eagles, because I think this is a terrible head coaching hire. That, that seems to be good that uh, the less experienced you are, the better off you are. Yeah. Hey, here's a guy that's been a coordinator for two years. Let's hire him. Yeah. Look at Brandon Staley, uh, head coach of the Chargers now. He was coaching at John Carroll. He's the defensive coordinator at John Carroll University. Uh, Who the fuck are these people? Who in the fuck are I, these people? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I could not name you. Could I name you 10 head coaches in the NFL? Probably not. Mike McCarthy with Dallas. Yep. The, the shithead to Dan Campbell with Detroit, whatever the fuck the Eagles picked. Uh, Ron Rivera with Washington. Uh, the Giants have got some fucking guy. Um, Joe Judge. Packers. Joe Judge, uh, Matt LaFleur, who the fuck's the Bears guy? Matt Nagy, mm-hmm. Mike So I could probably name uh, a few, but who who are these fucking people? It, I don't know. It, it, it has not been a very good offseason for head coaching hires. It, it's, it's been really bad, and I think the NFL should be embarrassed with how it's going, uh, especially when we it comes to my Who's the Carolina coaches. Panthers coach? Matt Rule? Yeah, Matt Rule. Yeah. I was thinking it seems like I don't know who their coach is. You you give me a co- uh, you give me a team and I'll tell you their coach. I can name all thirty two. Denver, I think. Uh, uh, Vic Fangio. Yeah, Vic Fangio. Uh, Jeff fired the bald guy. Robert Sala. Everybody else has yeah, Cincinnati. Zach Taylor. Yeah, I can name most of them now. It was not as hard as I thought it was. Yeah. Well, it's like, still bad was? because you NBA have so many coaches. young coaches. NBA coaches, however. Oh, coaches the Detroit Pistons. Uh, I think they got from the Nick Nurse uh, head coaching tree, right? Didn't they do that? Uh, is it, no, Dwayne Casey. It's Dwayne Casey, right? Hey, Dwayne Casey. I would not have, I would not have had a guess of fuck that Dwayne Casey was the Pistons <laughs> head coach. Let's go with... Uh, I don't even know the Hornets guy. He's got a weird name. Uh, is it, isn't it? Uh, no, no. The Clifford is in. Uh, um, he's in Orlando now. He's some. Yeah, it's like isn't it Igor? Who coaches the Trailblazers? Oh, uh, is it Terry Stotts? Terry Stotts coaches the Trailblazers. He's coached there for what? Nine years. He's been there for nine years. One more. What do we got here? Uh, well, Portland's got issues with Antifa and, and shit like that. They're largely irrelevant. Who? Portland. If they're not right, if Antifa's not rioting in their cities, it's it's a largely irrelevant uh, yeah. town. Who coaches the Wizards? 
Uh, oh, uh, Scott Brooks, former Thunder head coach. Well, okay, so this is embarrassing that I know all this stuff. Um, you don't give two shits about the NBA. Yeah. But uh, we, we've got these coaches. Who coaches the Hawks? You won't get this one. I'm going to give you the hardest. Who coaches the Hawks? It used to be uh, never... Budenholzer, uh, but now he's in... I... Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, he, he is significantly upgraded. I've never heard of him. I don't know. I, I don't know who the Hawks. Lloyd, something, something called Lloyd Pierce. He was there last year, I guess. Oh, okay. Who um, coaches Cleveland? Yeah, it used to be John Beeline. Is it? Oh, it's Roy Bicker. It's a. Uh, it's Bickerstaff. It's uh, Larry Drew. Never mind. I thought it was Bickerstaff. Okay, well. Very true. Yeah, that's, that's about it. Would you just, just okay. stop while I'm behind here? <laughs> one, one more guy I've never heard of. Okay. I'm not, they could be making this up. I wouldn't know the difference. Who coaches the Grizzlies? Um. Taylor Jenkins. Like, who, who, who in the fuck is Taylor Jenkins? It sounds. <laughs> they, they don't even have a picture of him here on ESPN. He sounds millennial. Sounds like a millennial. He's 36. He's 36. He looks like he's 50. If I were to look at this guy, I'd say he's probably upper 40s. Well, if I really, he's like 30, 36 years old. Well, he looks I, like he's 48. If I had to coach the Grizzlies, I'd probably look like I was 50. Oh, too. boy. Oh, boy. But that's, that's, that's mean. I have John Morant. So I would, I, well, I would it, think it, it would could be, be worse. It could be. It could be, it could be coaching the Bulls. It could. I could. Uh, or the Who holds the Bulls? Oh, Billy Donovan. Who's from last year? Billy Donovan. Yeah, Billy. Yeah. Yeah, I Billy Donovan. I don't they, still, they still have uh, on this ESPN here. They still have Billy Donovan coaching Oklahoma City and the Bulls. It's, I don't know how the Oklahoma City coaches. I don't either. Uh, but that Mark, Bill, some guy named Mark. Billy Donovan moving from Oklahoma City to Chicago. Given all the draft capital that the Thunder have over the next few years, they have a chance to be yeah. really good really fast. I don't understand that move. I, Billy Donovan, that's a head-scratching decision uh, going to your Bulls. Bulls are going to be very irrelevant for a long, long time. Yep. Well, when you take a they guy are. off the bench from Florida State, uh, the fourth overall pick in the draft, that doesn't necessarily bode well for your future. Yeah, who, who wants that? I don't know. I even heard about this guy. Uh, Zach Levine is, you know, a tremendous offensive player. He's yep. he's got to get the hell out of there. He's exceptional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's this guy? It was uh, Patrick Williams? What's Mr. Williams done? He's played in fifteen games. He doesn't average ten points. This is a shock to me. He's actually not doing any plays. Twenty-six minutes a night. He averages ten points and four rebounds. So. He's 19 years old, so... That's exactly what I you want from your fourth overall pick. I guess it could be worse. He could. I feel like it's it's pretty safe to say uh, Minnesota fucked the first pick here. James Wiseman would have been a nice one. Yeah. Uh, LaMelo Ball looks like he's probably the best of this uh, of this group. So they really... Anthony Edwards hasn't really been playing terrible. He hasn't been playing terrible. He'll get there. Um, I, I feel like Wiseman and Lamelo Ball will both be all stars. Yeah, I think Wiseman would have been. Um, Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, he's 
he struggled. He was averaging on 11, 6, and 6. He, he feels like a guy that could be, you know, 18 points, 10 assists, yep. 8 rebounds. He feels like uh, a triple-double guy. So that's that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just the Minnesota Timberwolves way. really is. Yep. Um, I got to admit, Krenz, that on Saturday, you know, if it's the first time that I really was like, you know what? College basketball just doesn't excite me as much this year as it does in as it has in previous years. I think a lot of that is due to there's no fans, so the home court doesn't matter. Uh, just like home field in the NFL didn't matter uh, at all this year. Um, a lot of games being postponed. Uh, schools not being able to handle, uh, get their COVID uh, cases and stuff under wraps and stuff. It just, to me, Saturday was the first day where there were a lot of college, there's a lot of college basketball games on various different channels. I'm like, you know what? It just, it, it doesn't feel right to me this year. Um, and that sucks for me. You're not excited uh, that Alabama is ranked ninth in the country? Now, I, I will say, I have watched Alabama a little bit. Nate Oates doing a fantastic job, their former head coach at Buffalo. Um, Alabama's a fun team to watch, and I think they have a chance to really make a deep run. But it's just, it, it's just, it's tough. It's really tough this year to for me to get really fully excited with what's going on, just because it doesn't feel like we're getting the true representation of what's going on. I mean, the fact that Duke might not even make the NCAA tournament this year, I think speaks volumes to where the sport is at this year in the COVID in the COVID world. I saw Coach King's press conference and something about a, a student reporter asked yes. a question. Yep. I didn't think it was all that bad. I was expecting something worse. Um, what, what, what did you expect not... that was worse? Coach K's reaction or the question itself? The question was not good, and his reaction was, I thought, pretty mild compared to what I thought could have it could have been. I don't. He didn't yell. He didn't snap his head off. Like I, the question was like, where do you go from here? Just this generic shit question. Like, what? what, what to take to, that where, next where do you go from here? Like, what? What is he supposed to say? Like, it's not a very good question. It's a very generic. Coach A doesn't. Like, yeah, really... we're gonna get, get get ready for the next game. Whatever the fuck we're playing, that's what we're gonna do. Like, what do you? How do you answer that? Well, I think and he, he, and well, Coach K answered it however he answered it, and I thought, okay, that's fine. I think it's more that just he's a very sore loser. He comes across as a sore sure. loser. They're having the worst year they've ever had, and that's fine. He's a bitch. They're tired. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. He did apologize to the student reporter on Monday, so that's that's good. I thought I thought it'd be way worse when I watched. I was like, if I would have watched it, I would have said okay. Like I would have tweeted it out or said, oh look at this, everybody look at what he said. I would have I would have thought okay. Next question. Yep. Like I, it did not stick out to me as something scandalous and terrible. Like okay, I agree. I think for the reaction that it got, it wasn't 
bad, but it, it still wasn't good. It wasn't a good response. Um, but, oh well, he apologized and moved on, and we'll see if, if uh, Duke can move on and get back into NCAA tournament discussion here. I mean, UNC fighting for their lives, Michigan State fighting for their lives, Kentucky's terrible this year. You're going to see a lot of blue, the traditional college basketball blue bloods not may, not be in the NCAA tournament this year. Can I tell you my favorite stupid shit dog shit of a team this year? Yeah. Alabama A&M. Yes. Yes, Crins. What a undefe- stupid fucking team this is. They're undefeated in the SWAC. They play one game a month. They played a game on November 29th. They didn't play again for three weeks until December 19th. They beat South Alabama in two overtimes. They beat Samford by two in their first game. Then they didn't play for another month, January 16th, and they beat Alabama State. And then they played uh, a week later against Southern and won by 10. They played four games in two months. They had three weeks between the first and second game. They had an entire goddamn month between their second and third game. And they had an entire week before games three and four. What a stupid fucking team this is. Uh, if they and uh, your Winthrop squad, your yes. Winthrop squad, second, yes. they are what fifteen and zero. Yes, they are. And if they, if this was college football, they'd be ranked like twelfth in the country. <laughs> but they yes. can't. They don't. They can't get a fucking. They can't get a sniff. <laughs> they even in the ranking too. They they got sixteen votes. Andy Katz has them as the thirty fourth best team in college basketball. And they are 34th in the rankings this week. Uh, 34th in the uh, AP poll with 30, uh, 16 votes or 16 points. Mm-hmm. And uh, one coach in the coaches' poll, one coach put him at 25. Out of the uh, 32 coaches that vote in the coaches' poll, one of them had Winthrop ranked 25th. There you go. That's good. Winthrop um, at 25th is no less absurd than Coastal Carolina at 12th. Or Liberty at 17th, or whatever the hell they are. That was. Why does Winthrop not get ranked, but Coastal Carolina is 12th, and Liberty, Liberty, Liberty is 17th? Because college football what, has what fewer fewer teams that, uh, than college basketball. And yeah, because 9 9 and 4 Oklahoma needs to be ranked. God forbid the Gophers at 11 and 5 are not ranked. They're ranked 22nd. Yes. What a deal. Winthrop just just roll roll the schedule there. And he got what? Baylor, Gonzaga, Winthrop, Drake, and Alabama uh, Alabama and up. Five undefeateds. Yep. I haven't looked at bracketology yet, there's no reason to. Uh, I just looked at it right now and stupid ass hairpiece. Joe Lenardi has USD as a sixteen seed. Yep. Uh, playing Michigan. Yeah. It's um Maybe, I don't know, spend a little bit of time on who probably is going to come out of that conference, and it sure as fuck isn't going to be them. They maybe do, I don't know, look at a, look at a preseason pool, uh, follow college basketball once in the past 10 years to see who, who, who's the dominant team. Is it USD, or is it maybe SDSU? Or maybe even, I'd have less of a problem if they put North Dakota State in, rather than USD. It's 
ridiculous. It like, is. Do a little, just don't look at the standings and say, hey, they're 2-0, and they're 4-0, put them in. Do just a little bit of homework uh, in the only job that you have. He doesn't do that, though, for the the smaller conferences, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's it's quite absurd. Well, we're, next time we talk, it's February, so maybe start doing that since we're coming up on a month five, six weeks away from conference tournaments. Maybe give a shit and say, hey, who's coming out of Summer League? The team that usually does, maybe put them in and figure out what seed they get. Um, I saw a story on CBSSports.com last week uh, that 27% of college basketball coaches do not want to do conference tournaments this year. Which a, Why? What's, it's what's... your job. B, do you want to go to the NCAA tournament or not? And C, if you if you don't want to do it, then why are you even playing a college basketball season this year anyway? Like, just if you don't want to do a conference tournament, then then just just delay. Just say we're shutting down the program for this year. What are you doing? It's just it's it's dumb. We, we shouldn't have sports anyway, so what is the difference between having sports now and crisscrossing the country or having a conference tournament? Like, what is the difference? It's, it's, How, why, why can we not have a conference tournament? I, I don't know. We're, 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 not, we're not, we're doing the bare minimum. We have 4,000 people dead, but uh, Texas Tech is at West Virginia tonight. So what the hell is the difference if you bring a bunch of teams to Kansas City or wherever else? It doesn't. It like doesn't we're, matter. like it, it's ridiculous. Report. I mean, mm-hmm. like for I get COVID. I don't want to say it barely gets mentioned, but considering how much it was mentioned, and considering how like it's gotten worse since we talked for like the past months, like it's gotten way worse. Like we're like four thousand a day dead. Like when we went over a thousand, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now we're at 4,000 a day, and we're going to be at this pace seemingly for another month or two. And, you know, 4,000, that's 100,000 dead in a month. So, But Biden's plan, he, he said that things would change right away. He says, no, we'll, we won't change in the first few months, Ukrainians. He, he doesn't no, know what he's talking take, about when it comes to this stuff. He just doesn't. No, this is going to take months for, for it to be any... Change. Difference yeah. for change, for vaccines, uh, for anything, since we, are, we refuse to wear a mask, um, we have to rely on these vaccines. And uh, Columbia University had a study that was in the New York Times, I thought, today. that a state like Vermont, who's very small and has done a good job with this, if you vaccine all of their people, that's going to make a difference. A state like North Dakota, which is massive in size, but still... Uh, has done terrible at this, and there's not a lot of people, they, they estimate that 60-some percent have had COVID, even though they only have 13% based on what the testing shows. Mm-hmm. The study estimated a 60-some percent positivity rate Yikes. in North Dakota. And a vaccine isn't going to do a fucking thing if 60% of the people have already had it. I mean... So that's disappointing mm-hmm. when so many people have already had this thing to where if you get the vaccine, that's good, but it's not going to make as big of a difference as a state that's done well, like Vermont, when 
not a lot of people have had it, and you can vaccinate them, and it can make a difference. So, yeah, we, um, yeah, a year of doing nothing has resulted in this. So it's going to take more than a month or two of vaccines to catch up to. Like, I don't, I, like, this whole year, I don't see this whole year being, like, we got baseball coming up, and they just going to play, I mean, we, we we gave up. We just we just gave up. Well, I, they're saying maybe hopefully by September that uh, everyone will be vaccinated, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I think it, it just keeps extending out. And, uh, and I'm going to go back. Like a flu vaccine, you can get it, you know, in November when the flu season starts. Mm-hmm. You can get a vaccine. And it starts, starts to wear off in February and March. And then in March, the flu is pretty much gone. So you don't need, like, do you need another COVID vaccine shot in four or five months when that wears off? It's only stay in your body for a certain period of time and that we've noticed this virus, this is a virus, this is not seasonal, it doesn't go away in the winter or the summer, it's always around. So you just right. have to continually get a vaccine for this thing. It's not like smallpox or any other vaccine you get as a kid. You give them one shot and you're done for your life. Yep. We just have to continue to give away hundreds of millions of vaccines all the time. I think it I think it will turn out to be like a flu vaccine. I do. I, I think that's the way but it's going to go. go away, though. Well, I think eventually it will go. I think over these first few years... You're going to have to treat it like a flu vaccine, where you're going to get it yearly, or you know, maybe you'll have to get it twice a year, depending on how it yeah. goes. As they continue to work on vaccines and vi- to tackle the different variants and uh, stuff, I do think eventually they'll be able to come up with a vaccine where you will only need one shot and you'll be good for a long period of time. But we're, we're a ways away from that. And I shouldn't but pretend we, like I know what the hell I'm talking about, but that's what I I don't think we're getting a vaccine and a knife, a mask, and I don't think this is going away for years. Because we're, we're not... If nobody did anything but stay in their house for a month, that would do a lot. Well, I, I like think... If you, stop, if you stop spreading this, it, it's, it, the only way to stop it is to stop spreading this. But if you look at the variants that have come out in like in exactly. Britain and stuff, I mean, Europe's been on lockdown and they're still having issues. So I don't think it's I don't think it's a matter of like that. I agree. If you stay in your house, if you if you do stuff like what Vermont has done, it'll it would certainly help. Uh, but I don't think this is going to go away entirely. Uh, just if everyone were to hunker down, because Europe tried that and they're still having issues. So. Was, I always go back to New Zealand and what they've done. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they're an island nation of five million people, and they've. And I just look at. They were extremely strict, and they closed everything down, and they opened up, and then it got out of control again, according to them. And then they closed down again, and what, a couple of weeks ago, they said they were COVID free for a couple of weeks, and it looks like they've got, like, literally, like a, a, another case. Another case, and you look at what they what they've done, and you just compare the numbers uh, to just South Dakota, which is not a good state to compare. But you compare a state of less than a million to that state, 
uh, mm -hmm. that country. Yeah. Uh, South Dakota, we're at, what are we at? I saw that we're at under 4,000 cases active for the first time since end of September today. And we've had uh, nearly 110,000 people get it, which is about 12, 13%. New Zealand shut everything down, and they had, how many cases did they have? They had 22 people die. They had 1,150 cases in New Zealand. Uh, that's a week for us Yeah. in South Dakota. One of the 50 states. And, I mean, there's just, I mean, we've had how many thousands of people? We've had 15, 16, 1,700 people die in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. New Zealand had 22. We've had more people die than there's been confirmed cases. And they were extremely strict. They, nothing was open. And they have essentially gotten rid of it. So kudos to them. Mm-hmm. But, like, we, something can be done, but we're, we're not even trying at this point. It's the least we could do. Mitchell got rid of their mask mandate. That goes away Wednesday. Oh well, because it's yeah. it, it's works yeah. it's worked so well. Why why keep going with yeah. it? Yeah, right? the mayor who was a four four tie. The mayor voted to get rid of it, and uh, his reasoning his reasoning was uh, it's not the solution. Even though they did pass it five to three two months ago, so we only went from eight hundred and fifty cases down to a hundred in the course of. A month or two, so and so they decided to get rid of it. Seems like we'll see. Apparently, apparently we're done. We we've done it. We've gotten rid of it. So we'll see um, how those numbers go up here, which they probably should in the next couple months. Seems logical. It's just logic dictates. <laughs> uh, but uh, well, anything else that we need to get to. SJU women are ranked 25th. Yep. AP poll. Back in the rankings. So. Let's not have another two game slide like they had the last time they entered the poll. I don't expect that. They, they, they shouldn't be because, um, you know, they play USD next weekend and it is at home, so we'll see how they do there. Um, but other than that, I mean, they should win every other, you know, they should win every game the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. They should have no more than. They should have more than three losses here. There's no reason to lose. I mean, North Dakota State, that'll be interesting. That's up there in Fargo. North Dakota State's been playing well. So, you know, two conference losses, maybe you give them one to USD and maybe you give them one to NDSU. But other than that, you know, just just keep rolling up. And USD's women aren't playing this weekend. They are, their series with Omaha has been canceled due to COVID. Within Omaha, Omaha they have issues. They do. Men and women. That's not great. No, it's not, but they're both terrible teams this year, so kind of, kind of understand. And they got rid of our coach. And they got rid of our coach. So. They did. So, uh, what can you do? Omaha, <clears throat> Omaha can, uh, can take a seat. Two other things. Yep. Hank Aaron died. Yes, he did. Yep. A couple other things. Uh, Hank, Hank Aaron, Aaron died. He died. was, uh, you know, you can look at his stats. He, he was 
probably by any measure one of the five best baseball players ever. Yes. Um, yes. Dave Ruth, Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, whatever order you want to put him in, Mickey yep. Mantle, whoever else you want to put in there. So uh, Hank Aaron, at 86 years old, he was he was very good. And uh, Larry King died Saturday. He was 87. Yep. And uh, yeah, he was a big time deal. So. And it is uh, the one year anniversary on Tuesday of Kobe Bryant's passing. Yes, Kobe Bryant, one year. So that was that was really the first big story of the year in which, like, oh, this is a bad year. Yes. Yes, it that was. was a bad, bad year. So. Yeah. With that, Larry King and uh, <clears throat> WWE Network Sack, and you don't subscribe, I think you don't subscribe. I do not. No, it's 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 not on the uh, it's not on the, the stack and household expense report. A ten dollar. What streaming services do you do you have? Uh, we have Disney Plus. Um, so like Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, uh, Hulu Plus, but we have Dish. Dish. You have yeah. Netflix. Yes, we do. We have Netflix. Netflix. Um. WWE Network is going to uh, the Peacock streaming service of NBC. Yeah. Apparently, have you heard about this today? I, I have not, but that does remind me that NBC Sports Network is folding at the end of the year. Oh. How, how does CBS Sports Network just keep rolling? But uh, NBC FM, PBR I don't know why. It's, what's that? It's, uh, they, they, they survive on college basketball and professional bull riding. Yeah, Mountain West games and shitty bull riding. So, yeah, CBS Sports, that's sad, and that'll affect hockey. So I'll move to what, USA. Yep. Um, but yeah, NBC streaming service Peacock has essentially bought the WWE Network. Really? Uh, they were saying that, so essentially if you want to watch it, you have to essentially buy a Peacock uh, subscription or... Maybe your existing subscription will just go over to that. Well, that's interesting. Kind of a a streaming service inside of a streaming service. Um, it seems like you that's know, the way that TV is going to go here, or is is going a lot between like Discovery Plus. I I saw something yeah. about the Paramount Plus uh, streaming stuff. Like that's where we're going. It's going to be monthly streaming, so you're going to be paying one. five bucks. Uh, a month for all of these different stream each for all of these different streaming networks. It uh, like we you know cutting the cord, I guess is what they would call it. But you're not saving any money at this point because no. you've got multiple ones that are all ten, twelve, fifteen dollars a piece, and it, it would have been nice to pick. Hey, I want these twenty or thirty channels. And I want those on my TV. You can get those now, but you're going to have to pay a lot because you're going to have to get all these different streaming services. So The, the a la carte yeah. option, I think, is the it would be the best way to go. You put and you can, each, yeah. each channel is a given price. Depending on what it is, it'll cost you more. That and you can get that, but it's going to be $10 a piece for all the Discovery Plus channels or $15 for... HBO and like HBO's got like Cartoon Network and this channel and that channel uh, involved in it and uh, you know ESPN and their deals. So mm-hmm. yeah, each uh, network can have their own streaming service. 
Would, would you venture to guess how much NBC Universal paid to have the WWE Network as part of their Peacock streaming service? It's a five-year deal, so I assume that at the end of the five-year, WWE can go back to their own network or continue the deal. Uh, a five-year deal. What did they pay Vince McMahon, essentially, for this? A five-year deal. You bring your streaming service. You put it on ours. The next five years. Two and a half billion? It's one billion. It's one billion. One billion, okay. So <laughs> 200 million a year. I was going to go one and a half billion, then you said five years, so I thought it might be a little bit more. So that's a good deal for them. It's a little yeah. bit more than they've made uh, with that. And they've essentially got rid of, rid of pay per views. They put all the pay per views on the network, and the network. Was a success to some sort, but never really. A 1.7 million subscribers, and they're going to make more money off of this than uh, they would have had. So there you go. A essentially a streaming service inside of a streaming service. Will you always remember the day that Kobe Bryant died? Because I knew the anniversary was coming up. But I, I couldn't tell you for sure that it was January 26th. I couldn't tell you the dates, but I know what I was doing and where I was at. And I remember the pole Bowl was on, or it was about to start or something. And I saw it on Twitter. And I was like, no, that, that can't be right. That's Kobe Bryant dead no. And then you keep looking, and it's like, well... That's apparently true, and then you know you, you flip on that something that uh, you know CBS or ABC would break into programming to tell you that this a uh, very famous person died, and that's what they did, and mm-hmm. ESPN did, and then you know everything for the next few weeks was all about him, and that was a shock because that's something that yeah I'll always remember where I was at, what I was doing, how I found it, how I first heard about it, so. Yeah, it, I just, yeah. I knew, like I said, I knew it, the anniversary was coming up, but I, I couldn't tell you the the day, or the the official day that it no. happened. I, I'll, I'll remember January sixth is the time Trump tried to take over the government. I'll, I'll remember that date. I believe yes. a year from now. Yeah, September eleventh, and all the other dates which we remember. I'll remember January sixth. I think that'll be a, a a date I'll remember. Um. So, I would agree. Uh, SDSU, SDSU football is about three weeks away. So stupid. So stupid that the Missouri yeah. Valley and FCS in general is doing college football this year. They really miscalculated this, it appears, since things are way worse now than they were a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Or if they would have played the season like everybody else did. They would have played it, but they waited until February and March and April. And like we said, things are very bad. 4,000 dead a day. So, but we're going to play football because we need money. So. And uh, Senior Bowl is this week. We're going to try and get uh, Jeff Lloyd uh, on here to preview that. But yeah, Senior Bowl is this week, and I, uh, there's an SDSU helmet there. I, I don't know who it is. I'll have to look at the huh? roster here. Uh, I'm guessing Kay Johnson. Oh, yeah. 
Probably. Would be my guess, but uh, we'll we'll get uh, Jeff's reaction to it. It's going to be different this year because there's going to be no combine in Indianapolis. It's all going to be just done at uh, at pro days. Uh, so scouting and just going by the tape and stuff, it's of utmost importance this year, uh, even greater than last year. And it's all drafts in late April, isn't it? Yes. The FCS playoffs will be going on when the draft is. Yeah. Isn't that isn't that just fascinating? Somebody will probably be playing uh, when they're drafted. That would be hilarious. It won't be Trey Lance because uh, he said goodbye. So. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um... Yeah, it's it's gonna be weird. It's just, like I say, weird year, weird year, and a weird year. I think this year not got quite as bad, but still gonna be a weird year. This year is gonna be uh, not quite the level of last year, but still, still up there, second only probably to last year. So. Yep, yep, I would agree. I would agree. We'll get through it together, though. I suppose. Just, or separately. We'll get through it separately. Yeah. Just keep watching Game of Thrones and it'll all be okay. Oh, yeah. So we're very excited. We're getting into it. Uh, should we be done with season four? So whatever happens there, we got the lady with the dragon. She's coming on strong. So we'll see what happens with that. Very good. Very good. Well, I look forward to hearing what happens next week. I hope you have a great rest of your week. And, uh, and we'll, we'll chat next week and uh, preview the Super Bowl. All right. We'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here on the Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time, as always. Uh, great stuff. Great insight. Um, yeah, just looking up the uh, the Reese's Bowl roster here. Oh, let's see. Anywho, we'll, uh, we'll try and get Jeff Lloyd the... Uh, second on uh, from the Lockdown Browns podcast. He's had a great year uh, doing that. Um, we'll get his thoughts on the the rock uh, of the the senior the Senior Bowl because it is this year. It's a little weird that it's going on, but that's it is so. We'll get that. Uh, again, Kobe Bryant, the, the anniversary of him, the one-year anniversary of him passing away. The losses of Larry King and Hank Aaron, significant major uh, figures in their respective areas. Of course, Hank Aaron was the home run king for a while before Barry Bonds juiced up and all uh, overtook him. And, and Larry King, Larry King tonight. Hello, Houston. Hello. Uh, this is Larry King on CNN. So. Uh, definitely sad to hear about those passings. Uh, we'll take a break, though. We'll come back and uh, talk some Senior Bowl, hopefully, with Jeff Lloyd and uh, a couple other things as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. You can find it on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Crins at Travis Crins. Facebook Nathan Stacken, a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. We'll, uh, we'll wrap things up here uh, and hopefully talk some Senior Bowl. Coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. All 
All right, continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast. And we haven't talked to this man for a long time. It's been a long time coming, and we're excited to get him back on from the Locked On Browns podcast, Jeff Lloyd II. Jeff, how are we doing? Um, it's been a fun year, Nathan. Um, but, sure you know, for most NFL teams, um, sometimes things have to come to an end. So for the Browns, you know, we are fully into off-season mode. Um, with it being Senior Bowl week, uh, you know, it's time to you know, fire up the process of, you know, what will be, uh, you know, the 2021 NFL draft. I always feel, you know, this is the culmination. Mm-hmm. This is it. We are off and running once you actually can say the word Senior Bowl. Just take me through, before we get to the Senior Bowl, just take me through the emotions of that wild card game. We were talking a little bit before we got on air, just, you know, just the excitement of and the circumstances and stuff leading up to that game against Pittsburgh. But this is the first time that the Browns were in the playoffs in 18 years. And just for the game to happen that the way it did, uh, I mean, it was it was exciting for a non-Browns fan. I can't imagine what it was like, you know, you know for you doing the podcast and for Browns fans everywhere. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing with it was, the, you know, the fact that it was the Steelers. Um, you know, this has forever been, you know, the big brother to the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, and with the fact that, you know, the first time they had played him in the season, you know, they got beaten up pretty good in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they played in Week 17, got the victory there. But, of course, there was, oh, well, so-and-so's not playing. He's not playing. He's not playing. I mean, excuses were made. But, meanwhile, you know, the Browns, for essentially the last four weeks of, you know, three weeks of the regular season, the, the playoff week, were just rabbits, simply rabbits by COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody wanted to give them any credit for that. But to go into Pittsburgh, your head coach, not even there, watching in his basement and apparently on a delay from the rest of his family, <laughs> um, Joe Batonio unavailable to play, a lot more coaches unavailable. And just went in there and, you know, it was, we've talked about for the Browns to ever be relevant, it's going to have to be, you know, driving the stake through basically, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, like you would do with like a zombie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they were, they were able to make their mark. Um, it was just an incredible, magical year um, seeing so many players step up. The fact that they were missing a lot of people on defense and not that their defense was that great anyway, but still week in, week out, they were finding a way to put together a concentrated effort a solid effort with basically a bunch of guys that were saying, hey, what's your name again? And, like, this really happened. I mean, one of the guys that blacked in the uh, playoff game, Baker Mayfield, had to ask him and check again what his first name was. A guy named you know. Blake. <laughs> yes, I mean, just so, it's just a magical time. And, and for this, you know, franchise, for all it's been through, mm-hmm. uh, for everything to basically start aligning, whether it's your front office, whether it's your head coach, whether it's your roster, um, they have plenty of draft picks this year. We'll see what the NFL cap brings, um, which mm-hmm. you know could be really, really tricky for some NFL teams if yeah. it's going to come in at, at this low number that some people are anticipating. But we're here; it's off season now. We're talking about you know not only maybe competing for the AFC Championship game. Hell, we're talking about maybe trying to host one. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think there are a number of Vikings fans out there who uh, are happy for Kevin Stefanski who are cheering for the Browns on that that Sunday and of course the, the following week too and I think you got a lot of, it'll, it's going to be fun when the Browns and Vikings play next year um, oh absolutely it's a whole AFC North next year and a whole uh, AFC West next year for the uh, Cleveland Browns should make for a hell of a run yes yeah you're in, you know what you got to, in order to get to the mountaintop you're going to have to go through Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and that is no easy task but 
the Browns certainly have a, a bright future ahead of them. A uh, number of teams are looking to get their futures bright uh, this week by drafting some good guys here. And I, I have to think that the Senior Bowl this year is maybe the, the biggest and most important Senior Bowl ever, uh, given the fact that there's going to be no scouting combine in Indianapolis this year. So you really need... If, if you're looking for you know drills against other guys and looking for that in-game material, maybe just one more game, uh, this is it. And you have a lot of guys here who didn't play uh, college football this year. So I, to me, this is the most important. I don't know if I'm maybe amping it up a little bit too much, maybe too much hyperbole. What do you think uh, the stakes of this week are in particular? I, I, I agree with you from the, you know, the standpoint you're coming on from. Look, I mean, in, in the world we live in right now, sadly still, you know, uh, you know, COVID where we are at, Look, this is going on right now. Um, there's no way around that. This is going on. So you, we have no control. Obviously, we know the combine has been canceled. You know, they want to hopefully do you know regional pro days. They want to, uh, you know, they want to be able to do you know, things that way. But you know, we have no. We can't say what the world's going to be like in two weeks. We can't say what the world's going to be like in you know in two months. So we're not really sure. You know what we can truly get to see. But what we do know right now is that we are able to see, you know, what is going on in Mobile this week. And I think it is very important. Granted, it's only, you know, a lot of, you know, underclassmen are not invited. So that makes things a little bit difficult. Um, but yes, I mean, a very, very huge opportunity for the players are there because we know this is going on. We can do evaluations from this. We can get some thoughts on this. Um, we can't really do that with anything else because it's too far in the future to be looking at it. Uh, one guy that I've seen kind of uh, take over Twitter, uh, and maybe it's just the Twitter accounts that I'm following here, and I might be a little biased, but Kate Johnson, wide receiver from South Dakota State, has been lighting it up uh, so far. Uh, he was great wide receiver when he played for the Jackrabbits. Okay, he, he was going to not play this year anyway. Uh, of course, Missouri Valley and a bunch of other um, FCS guys uh, conferences and leagues are going to be playing here in a, a matter of weeks he's not playing though but he has been lighting it up in mobile so far this week um when you look at a player like this you know so not having uh, a season this year um first things first what you want to see is you know for me what was most important is you know where are these guys at who didn't play football this year um you know you're 21 22 years old you can get lost down the beaten path um so to speak um, so you're, you know, certainly looking to see what kind of shape these guys are in. Did somebody get too big weight-wise? Did somebody get too big muscular-wise? Has somebody not seen a weight room in a while? Um, you know, were they still getting in quality work? You know, yesterday obviously had a nice day. Another nice day today. Um, and this is the thing with the wide receiver position nowadays. You know, people are looking all over. I mean, you know, everybody wants a small Tyreek Hill type of option. Mm -hmm. Everybody would love to have a chase. Claypool, very athletic, very big type of option. And, you know, every wide receiver class, we always go through this, you know, who are your big, tall, you know, too short to maybe be a small forward in the NBA, but tall enough to be a really good wide receiver in the NFL. And, you know, a little early, I'd say, in the process to start, you know, designating day one, day two, day three. Um, you know, a lot of that we need, you know, we need to get involved with, you know, time, speed, and things of that nature. But, you know, certainly for a guy like him who did not play this season, getting down there to the Senior Bowl and playing against competition that he wouldn't have gotten this year, you know, 
for the most part, playing at South Dakota State anyway, mm-hmm. you know, it was important for him. To, it's important for a guy like him to look good thus far. If he didn't look good, that's going to raise a lot, a lot of questions because he was healthy, because he was fresh, because he was preparing for it. Um, but no, going in here, this obviously for Kay Johnson does a huge, huge part as far as, you know, keeping the name relevant and maybe having it start climbing the boards a little bit. And, and not just... Kate Johnson and you know you've got uh, some other guys from the Missouri Valley a guy from uh, Wisconsin Whitewater so you yeah. have these younger or these you know smaller programs smaller conferences you know it's not the power five but these guys from the power five as well that didn't play this year uh, opting out you know for COVID reasons you know getting ready for the draft what have you this is an extremely important week for those guys too so it's not just the it's not just the Missouri Valley guys and, and the other guys like them that uh, use this week to go against the other Power 5 guys and show what they got, but it's the guys who opted out this year, too, that really need to show some stuff, as you mentioned, because they haven't played anything. You don't know what their conditioning's like. So this is a very important week for all of those guys who fit into that category. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fair to say. Um that that's what you're looking for, you know. You know, obviously, you know whether it's the Northern Iowa guys who have a couple players there, and you know they're looking pretty good. I mean, you know, uh, Northern Iowa. I mean, you look together the 2016 recruiting class turned out to be a hell of a class. I mean, you know, and we're talking about Northern Iowa here, mm-hmm. and they just be able to put you know some solid players here. Um, you know, again, those players, you know, very you know with their time, uh, you know, not getting to play, but they had you know need to come in here play well, and this part they absolutely have. And, you know, there's going to be some thoughts here and maybe it's going to be a, a big difference with the entire draft cycle this year where, you know, if you you know you found a prospect down the senior bowl that you fell in love with, you're going to start following him through the process, get to know him better. It, you know, it's always good to get yourself, you know, positively on a team's radar. Um, and, you know, you're not, you know, combine, you're not going to have to essentially worry about the stress of it. Um, you know, if you're going to do you know, pro day at your school, it's a lot more comfortable. It's a lot more of an environment that's you know providing you to succeed. Uh, so it, it's going to be a fun one. And I mean, anybody who has the only thing is you know, hey Jeff, what do you think? You know, um, you know, I, I think it's a pretty good class. Uh, what do you think about this? I, we have no idea. I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 this is going to be by far the weirdest draft cycle any of us have ever gone through. Yep. It doesn't mean we're not going to love it. it. Doesn't mean you know we're not going to appreciate every avenue that goes along with it. But, oh, yeah, it's, there's going to be some strangeness to it. There's no doubt about it. Um, who are some guys that you are really looking at this week that really uh, that you're interested by just to see what they look like, how they go against the rest of the competition? Who are some of those guys on your radar? Um, first one for me is uh, we're going to talk about defensive back Ham Sarnasero Dean from Florida State coming off an ACL injury. Um, but he's kind of like if you, you know, you think of Simmons, who went the first round, uh, you know, last year to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Yep. You're getting these big, athletic guys that saying, "Oh, they'd be great linebackers." But you know, every, we talk about the linebacker position, which is almost a dying breed in the modern day NFL. So it's kind of like, well, I can use them there if I want to, but what am I going to do? You know, when I'm facing the Patrick Mahomeses of the world, and you know, most likely, you know, they're going to run to give themselves a break and catch their breath. What do I do with a player, with player like that? That's where you get into this big nickel role where teams you know, want to play a third safety um, and they just want to limit his coverage uh, you know, assignments, uh, you know, especially you know, tight ends, maybe some backs, not really wide receivers. You want to keep them closer to the line of scrimmage. 
because you can disguise things if he's closer to the line of scrimmage because he's bigger, he's athletic, and if he does have to drop, he can drop. So, you know, I, I'm really looking at Hansel, uh, you know, Hansel Nacero being in that respect. Um, you're looking for, you know, defensive chess pieces. That's the, what all these defensive coordinators, any defensive, you know, coaches that you talk with nowadays, this is what they're looking for. You know, what, you know, can this guy do, you know, this? Can I have him do this? And, you know, you don't want to move like checkers. You want to move like chess on a football field and start to get players like that. And, but, uh, you know, Hamza and Nassar Dean is certainly one. <clears throat> if you remember a couple of years ago, uh, we talked about a certain safety out of UConn named Obi Malafonwu. Well, Obi Malafonwu has the younger brother, Afitu Malafonwu, cornerback out of Syracuse, six two and a half, two twelve, long arms, yoked up. He's going to test just like his brother did. <clears throat> He's going to test through the roof. His tape from Syracuse was big. Um, when you're going to get a corner, six two and a half, who can pretty much run with any wide receiver that's going to be on the field that he goes against. Uh, you're just looking for a player like that. I mean, he's. I mean, for me right now, certainly Browns wise, he's probably my number one target right now at 26, just because I think you can do several things with him mm-hmm. uh, due to his size, due to his athleticism. I think he'd be a great pairing personally with Denzel Ward. Um, one other, uh, and this is just one of my favorites, uh, Trey Smith from Tennessee. Uh, he's been a solid player for years, probably should have been in last year's draft. Um, you know, guards don't get talked, spoken about much, especially during the draft process. Um, but I honestly think Trey Smith is plug and play from the day he's drafted. You can probably get him somewhere, you know, early, mid, second round. He's going to come in, and basically he's going to take over. He'll be there for a decade. He's strong in his pass protection. He's got that nice little nastiness that you like <clears throat> from your interior offensive line players. Trey Smith, Tennessee, another guy I, I really, really have my eyes on, even though the Cleveland Browns probably aren't even shopping anywhere near the offensive line department this year. Right. Uh, yeah, they have a great offensive line. Jack Conklin, or Jay Conklin was a great addition for them in the offseason. You know, I'm a little surprised that Devontae Smith is even uh, – participating in it this week. I know he didn't get weighed because uh, there, there is some questions about, you know, his size and, you know, his perhaps how durable he can be in the NFL. But he, he, Heisman, he won the Heisman Trophy. He's a great player. But I'm a little surprised that he's even taking that risk of playing this week. I, think, I mean, we think he's going to be a high draft pick. Are there some guys that are on either roster this week that you're a little surprised that are going through the drills, like is it too, are they risking more than what the reward can be just by going through all the drills and playing in the game this week? Well, I just know from, you know, speaking with some agents, and they're kind of, look, you normally, you know, when you have a, you know, when you have an NFL, you know, draft, uh, you know, prospect, you normally are laying everything out from the time they sign with you. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get ready for senior bowl. This is what we're going to do to be ready to prep for the combine. This is where you're going to be working out. This is where you're going to be based, Arizona, Florida, California, wherever. Um, but the, the ones I've spoken with says, if they have told me, it, look, it, it's really difficult. I mean, we normally set up a four-month plan. If you're a senior, it starts in Mobile. Second, we're done with Mobile, we're shifting to getting ourselves to test the absolute best we can a few weeks from now in Indianapolis, which isn't going to happen. Um, it, a lot of it's a wait-and-see approach. Um, and, you know, I know there's some agents right now that are thrilled um, that there's, you know, a lot of stay-home 
um, because, you know, we how many guys have we talked about over the years, Nathan, during the process of what did this idiot just do during the most important three, four months of his life? Mm-hmm. How could you put yourself into a position like this with not being able to go out really um, and, you know, that, you know, limits, you know, saves players from all, maybe themselves in some respects. Uh, I do know that Matt Rule said he, you know, was had an elevator ride yep. with a, with a prospect, you know, just, I guess within the past two days and said, well, we're good with him. Um, just so obviously the young man either, you know, said something he shouldn't have or, you know, certainly not acting accordingly. Um, but it's, it's going to be a tough process. And this is where it's difficult for agents because look, you normally have this all laid out. And you say, okay, here's a player similar size, similar build, and this is what we did a year ago, two years ago, with similar player, similar size, similar build, to get him on the right strength and conditioning program, getting him through the, you know, the, the right workouts for explosion. It's just a lot, lot more difficult this year. You know, sadly for these kids, um, you know, you want every opportunity to basically shine throughout this process. Mm-hmm. And it, it's going to be different, and, and you know, it, and there's a large underclass group that there always is. You know, when you're talking about senior bowl guys, you know, not to call him out because he's a fantastic player and he looked great down in Mobile, but you know, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, uh, he was a former corner up there, played both ways. He's really taken off at the wide receiver position. Good blocker, fast, catches everything. But we're talking about a guy who's going to be 24 years old before he's actually drafted. So, you know, that's going to account for something because, you know, you're going to assume that you know, whatever you're getting in him is a finished product. You know, whereas if you're taking somebody 20, 21, you know, you can kind of, you know, finish the path of, you know, his talent development. Uh, so, you know, it's always, you know, always an interesting cycle. But, I mean, again, this one, I don't know, you know, there's no way to prep for it because we haven't had it this way before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It- COVID world that we, we live in here. I mean, we know who the quarterbacks are going to be. We know that, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going number one to Jacksonville. Zach Wilson from BYU, Justin Fields, they're going to be uh, taken high. Trey Lance from North Dakota State. There are a lot of big-name quarterbacks that are down in Mobile this week. From Ian Book at Notre Dame, Felipe Franks at Arkansas. Uh, you have Mac Jones from Alabama, Kyle Trask, Florida, Kellen Mond at Texas A&M. What are you looking from these guys uh, to, to prove and kind of separate themselves from the pack? I mean, it kind of seems like Mac Jones has gotten his name into that first round uh, mix in there, maybe, you know, like in the 20s or something. But uh, who else from the from this group are you looking at to, to make a big impression this week? Um, well, some, you know, understandably, he sort of didn't. Um, you know, Jamie Newman had a tough, tough couple of days. Um, just, you know, but then again, you know, you don't play, you get yourself in a tough position, especially in the quarterback position. Um, I think Mac Jones, because his year was incredible. His ball placement, he's got the arm strength. You know, Kyle Trask, every time I watch him, you know, the only thing I think to myself is, my God, if this kid had about five miles an hour more on his fastball, he'd probably be pretty special. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's essentially got an NFL arm. I think Ian Book, with his legs, with his intelligence, I think that's a guy you're going to look at who, you know, some franchise can look at and say, here's a guy, at worst, can be our number two, and we can have faith in him. And because he can win games with his legs, with his intelligence, and obviously all the vast experience he has. Um, but with 18 teams possibly in the market for, you know, an upgraded quarterback, 
Um, these players are probably going to go higher than they should. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to be a lot of dancing at the position within you know the NFL, the way you know, with movement, things of that nature. So you know, I think we're going to get a quarterback heavy draft early. Yep. Um, just because you know it's it's the most important position. Yep. Um, and you know, for franchises who this isn't an issue right now, worrying about the quarterback position, I think you're. It's a really really advantageous situation to be in because you don't have to worry about the position. You don't have to put your time into the position, and you're not competing with you know more than half the league. So you know, I mean, you know, Philip Franks, nice player. You know, Ellinger, nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, nothing. You know, and especially knowing that you have this underclass group that just absolutely wows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and once you're getting to you know quarterback five, quarterback six. I mean, more about, you know, what matches your system if you currently believe in your system and you're going to give it some length. Um, and again, Matt Rule spoke of it on this today. It, it, the biggest issue with quarterback development is quarterbacks going places where there was not going to be an opportunity to succeed. We look at a player like Sam Donald. Sam Donald was going into his fourth season in the NFL. I, we, I mean, is there a bigger, you know, indifference that he would put on a player than Sam Donald, and most of it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. The fact is, is he was put in one bad situation, and then he probably even put into a worse situation for the last two years of his career. Yep. Um, and here you are, the Jets, where you're drafting as high as you are, going, well, you know, we don't plan on being here next year, and so what do we do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do we move Sam? Do we blow it up? Do we try to somehow maybe get Houston to, you know, somehow let Deshaun Watson out the door? Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts in the top ten. Then there's going to be those teams who are kicking up the rear, who are good teams, and have to worry about you know their quarterback position. Maybe not for 21, but for 22. Mm-hmm. And you'd like to at least have that guy in the door because if he was that good, he would have went top ten. But you at least would like to get him a year within your system before you're essentially going to go you know put him put him in the water and ask him to swim. Yeah, I was looking at the quarterback situation. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and it amazes me just how many teams have even a, a, a small question. Like even I even threw like Minnesota into the mix because who knows? You know, if, do they move on from Kirk Cousins? You know, maybe try and trade him to San Francisco if San Francisco doesn't want Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. I mean, because Kirk Cousins and Kyle Shanahan. So might Minnesota be in the market for a quarterback? There are so many teams in the league this year that do have quarterback questions that will be looking to add a guy either in free agency or the draft. Um, I'm, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but I'm so interested with Kellen Mond, the quarterback from Texas A&M throughout his entire career. I thought he was a pretty good quarterback, maybe not as good of a passer as some might've liked, but he's got a unique skill set. He's, he's versatile. What do you think he can do, not just this week, but, you know, where do we see him in the NFL? Is he going to be a quarterback? Are they going to ask him to switch positions? What do we, what do we think of Kellen Mond? I don't, I, I don't believe so. I, I, I don't see why you would ask him, you know, at, at, out of the quarterback position. And the other thing is, you know, we do this all the time, but, you know, what kind of athlete is he? Because right. if, if he's a guy who runs, you know, mid-four-sixes, that's fantastic. But how is he going to succeed if we put him at wide receiver, you know, with limited foot speed? He may have great speed for a quarterback, but it's a whole different game, you know, where your foot speed translates to, you know, going to wide receiver, perhaps. Um, you know, look, Jimbo Fisher is, you know, not easy on his quarterbacks. 
puts a lot on their shoulders. Um, you know, Mond, I, I, I like it. He kind of, you know, I, I can see the Jimbo Fisher influence when I watch him play. I get a little Jameis, more athletic Jameis Winston type of vibe, hopefully with not nearly the amount of turnovers. Um, but I, I'm intrigued by Mond. And, you know, for me, you know, I, I'm looking, if the Browns somehow, some way decide maybe that they don't need the, you know, their backup quarterback anymore, they don't want to pay Case Keenum $7 million to pray he never takes a snap in 2021, and I can get a Callan Mon somewhere round three-ish, round four-ish, um, you know, a guy with a good body, big, uh, a guy who runs pretty well, it would intrigue me. I, you know, Kellen Mond probably of these names because I'm not going to put Mac Jones in this group. I think Mac Jones easily is the best of the best down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kellen Mond, for me, he's the guy that I, I'm watching the most this week. Uh, just you know what he was able to do, and it seems like he was really, really slept on what he did during the regular season. And it's not like you know A&M wasn't talked about because they had a pretty good season. Um, but most of that came from the fact of Kellen Mond and what he was able to do behind center. Yeah. And I think what's a little interesting, too, is that given the, the different schedules that these college football teams had to play this week, or this year, uh, a lot, just going, you know, conference schedules. But, I mean, Coastal Carolina coming out of nowhere and being ranked uh, for much of the season, would that have happened in a normal year? So, do you think just how the college football season kind of played out uh, is going to factor in how some of these where some of these guys get drafted, uh, how teams look at them, how they work them out? Yeah, I, I mean, I have to believe, and, you know, obviously the Browns aren't the only team that are extremely heavy into analytics. Um, but you really have to wonder what these teams who are big with analytics are going to say and, you know, when, you know, when they're going to talk about a player and say, okay, but everything we're talking about is tape. Mm-hmm has been 600 days ago, has been, you know, know, 550 days ago. The last time this guy actually played in a football game was December of 2019. It's April of 2021. Uh, You know, I really think that's going to have a big, big impact if you didn't play in 2020. I think it's going to have a big impact within the franchise's that use analytics heavy and for everybody. Everybody uses analytics in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Some use it more than others, but don't sleep on it. If you have a smartphone, you use analytics every single day. You gather all the information you get before you do and make a decision. Because mm-hmm. um, everybody gets such a bugaboo about the word. But there's going to be a lot of players who didn't play in 2020. And look, God bless them. It's their right. It's for everything they chose. Da 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 da. But the NFL is not going to say, oh, well, this guy was, you know, chose to be safe, chose to be smart. It's not the way it works. So (laughs) that part is still there. And, you know, when someone says, oh, man, but I really like this play, this player, I really, you know, and it's going to be, well, yeah, but he hasn't played a football game in over 500 days. Mm -hmm. That's got to really, really concern you. The risk-reward factor this year, I think, is as high as ever. Uh, any other final thoughts uh, on the Senior Bowl this week that you're looking at? Hopefully we can uh, chat again next week, get some reaction to the game and, and some of these other players and how they're uh, performing in the in the drills and the practices this week. But anything else that you're looking 
that you're interested in this week and looking at specifically? Um, you know, just I, I, I think you know, like we've spoken about, Nathan. I think it's a great opportunity for you know the smaller school guys. You know, maybe not your power five guys. Uh, it's just a tremendous opportunity because you know, look, everybody's down there, and anybody who's down there representing NFL teams, and with the limited amount that's going to go down there this year, uh, you know, you have you know small members of NFL personnel that are there, and they know they got to do their due diligence of diligence while they're there. Because, you know, normally you roll down a lot deeper. You can't do that this year. You need to work twice as hard because maybe now your franchise only has four guys there, five guys there. Customarily, maybe they have ten. So, you know, a lot is relying on the people that are down there actually doing this work as far as getting to know these players along with, you know, taking, you know, what they see during drills, during seven-on-sevens, doing, you know, during 11 on eleven. You know what each guy is doing. Um, it, it's it's a fun week. Um, it, it's nice to have this because you know at least there's some you know normalcy. Mm-hmm. You know somehow, some way. Um, and it, you know it, for you know everybody, you know the senior bowl starts to transition us into what will always be the draft cycle, which you know us nuts who enjoy this cycle so much yep. uh, get ready for. Uh, it's going to be a fun week. Uh, I just want to kind of see how everything works out. And as always, man, knock on wood and pray some poor young man, you know, does, you know, suffer, you know, a serious injury down there. Because right. absolutely just crushing, you know, mm-hmm. to have that happen to you at this stage when you're just a few months away from, you know, all your hopes and dreams being answered. Yep. Injury or catching COVID. That, that's uh, certainly something that we hope that no one uh, catches down there. Uh, Jeff, I always appreciate the time. It's great to to talk with you again uh hopefully we can chat again next week and yeah it's uh it's beginning the draft cycle uh so uh it, it'll be fun talking to you over these next several months you got it nathan all the best appreciate oh. the time thank you jeff jeff lloyd second from the lockdown browns podcast he's great i say this every time i sound like a broken record he's fantastic he's energetic he knows what the hell he's talking about He's just great. I always appreciate Jeff's uh, Jeff's time. It's just great, and he's had a, a great year with the with the Lockdown Browns podcast. Uh, so it's all continued success to him, of course, on that, and uh, certainly appreciate his time on this. We'll, we'll get him next week uh, with his reaction to uh, who who did really well. And like I said, this is this is the most important important senior bowl that I think has ever happened given the fact that there's no scouting combine this year in Indianapolis the what you're going to see from these seniors I, I mean just the the games and the drills and stuff you're going to have limited access to players between now and the end of April at April's draft uh, so gotta make these moments count these moments matter more than anything for scouts and, and the teams included, I think. I mean, this the risk reward that we're going to see this year in the NFL draft and what what teams, who teams draft the players, and this could ultimately set your franchise back a few years by not drafting the right guy. But that could be because you know you take a guy who hasn't played, as Jeff said, since December 2019, or you know you don't have as much interaction with them. It's just one of those years. And last year we said that the scouting is going to be more important 
than ever. Um, you know, and, and just all the talks and Zoom. And now this year, it, I think it's even more important. The scouting, the talking, the players, just seeing what they can do. I mean, the, these individual pro days, these regional combines that they're going to do. It's fascinating. It, it, it really is. And we'll see what teams uh, do, what, what the scouts say. What just this will this will uh, this will separate the men from the boys, as they like to say. This is going to be a wild, wild ride, and I look forward to talking to Jeff uh, as always uh, a bunch over these next several months here, leading up to the NFL draft. Um, we can, like, it's just it's a great ride. So always appreciate his time. Uh, he's great. Uh, you're great for listening to this week's uh, Sports Block podcast. I'm still not feeling well, but uh, we're 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 marching our way through it, and hopefully we're towards the end of this crud. Uh, we got a lot of uh, good stuff coming out. A big uh, Super Bowl preview next week. Travis and I will go through several of the storylines. We'll make our official picks and predictions there. Uh, college basketball still going. On, but it's a lot of a lot of crap. We had uh, Kobe Bryant, the the one year anniversary of his passing. Last uh, he passed away last year, so this was the one year anniversary this week on Tuesday. Um, Travis, uh, well, I'll ask him about the Baseball Hall of Fame not inducting anyone in um, this year. It's not because of COVID. It's because no one reached the seventy five percent threshold. So uh, a lot, a lot to get to next week. Uh, so thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. You can find us on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at ndstacken, Travis Krins at Travis Krins, Facebook Nathan Stacken. A link to the podcast posted in the middle to later part of each week. If you want to follow Jeff uh, Lloyd, which I highly recommend you do, uh, Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. You can follow Locked On Browns at. Um, at Locked On Browns, so uh, definitely uh, give them a follow if you're if you're a Browns fan. But it, it's a great podcast; they, they do a great job there. So um, continued success there. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. No football this week. No Pro Bowl. They're just doing a Pro Bowl celebration, so it doesn't really matter. So watch the watch the Senior Bowl on Saturday. What's it? Uh, Twelve thirty p.m. Central Time. Is it one thirty Eastern? Let's uh. Make sure we have that here. Um, yeah, uh, one th- uh, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Central Time on the NFL Network from Mobile, Alabama, the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, it's big. It's important this year. We're going to see uh, what these seniors have in store. Uh, Kate Johnson, keep keep rocking out. Wide receiver from Jack Rabbit's doing amazing things. So, for Travis and Jeff, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you tune in again next week for a Super Bowl preview and a hell of a lot more. That's coming up next week on the Sports Block Podcast. Stay safe, wear a mask, and we'll talk to you next week on the Sports Block Podcast.